Today's sponsor is Audible, with an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more. Get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at audible.com slash GOT. Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jan. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 7, Episode 4, titled The Spoils of War, or as Bronn is well aware, The Soils of War. Dickon had no idea, but Bronn knew all about it. Uh, what'd you think of this episode on second uh, viewing? First of all, did you know that the gold made it to King's Landing, Jim? Uh, no, I, I hadn't heard that a thousand times in our inbox w- w- and on Twitter. Would, would you like me to tell you 400 more times? <laughs> Please do, yes. <laughs> well, that's the consequence of being wrong on an instant podcast, everybody. wanted to make sure we got it. But yeah, I don't, and honestly, um, I'm not sure how I, I missed it the first time. Uh, I should have felt the icy cold hand. Because nobody cares about Randall Tarley when he <laughs> talks. Like, get out of here, Randall. Is he, he, he sat, when he's talking, it sounds like a smug, eye-rolling version of the teacher from Charlie Brown. It's just womp, yeah. womp, womp, flogging, womp, <laughs> womp, gates and gold and, and yeah. things. And my son's a disappointment. Right. I named the one I'm proud Dickon, <laughs> so everyone can make <laughs> cock jokes at his expense. Right. Yeah, that's uh, on him. But yeah, we 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 fucked that up. Um, as I suspected on subs on subsequent watches, um, I still have like I I I feel like there's tons of questions to ask about the military strategy, the geography of this combat, the timelines. Uh, you know, and 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 I mentioned in the preview podcast that I'd heard from multiple sources that if you if you don't like jetpacking or if that's bothered you in the past, then 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 brace yourself for this season because it's just going to get worse as the double D's frantically try to get everybody into the position they need to have the clashes they they need to get to get the story told. Yeah. Um, and you know, I made the conscious decision to not get too wrapped up in all that. So uh, how's that I, working out for you? I, it's for me. It's fine. I just have to. I feel like I have to give a little beat, a little, a little part of the podcast to the people that it is bugging. And hmm. you know, uh, yeah, I'm not one of them. I, I at this point am more interested in this coming to a conclusion that is in some way conventionally satisfying. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, than trying to worry about like how the story is changing as a result of, you know, the lack of books. Well, it's but it's I think that there is a nuanced way to look at it that to the extent mm-hmm. that this is, you know, part of its success stems from it being kind of a geopolitical potboiler. Uh to understand the stakes, you have to understand, you know, what are the material objectives in the world and how far apart they are and how cl- how how far away those things are and how much time it takes to get them because if not then you know it's kind of Buck Rogers. Like anything can happen at any time, and so so I I get it, I get it. It's a bummer, but on the other hand, um, this might be the only the only version of this story that we get to see an ending to. Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 going to going going to allow a lot a lot more things, but it is it's too bad that there it's it's a little bit more simplified than it used to be. 
Um, you know, for example, like for certain viewers, how did sure. Danny know this train was coming through at this particular time? How did she know where they're at? How did the Dothraki get there and be able to intercept them? Where did this battle even take place? Like those things mm-hmm. are not immediately clear from watching the episode. I think they can be divined, but um, you know, for a show that used to be praised for grounding things with this giant map that shows where everybody is in the earth. Like they show the map, but I don't know, but it does, it does much good anymore. So I, I again, I don't want to harp on it I mean, because especially when they don't show Sam at all in this episode and they still right. show old town, it's like, right. Why, why show old town? Right. In the beginning. Right. Why not show the Blackwater rush where so people know where that is in relation to high garden or why not show high garden? So people sure. know how far away high garden is from, but they yeah. don't. And I don't want to harp on it because I think that you and I don't, you know, have a, have a pretty, have a pretty fair view of that. But I do feel like to the extent that we're a fan podcast, you have to give a little bit of that voice. Yeah. I think maybe it's not great to start a podcast, but shitting on maybe one of the best episodes of Game of Thrones ever. Hey, man. Because uh, I, on second viewing, I still really, really love this episode. No, the stuff that worked really worked. Um, I'm curious to see if there's... So I want to know, like, up front, like, did you did you feel a bit more heat from the John Danny thing, or are you still This left... time looking for it, I noticed it was okay. happening. Um, I, I was less concerned with the drawings, because the drawings don't seem to be all that significant, other than, like, literally what John says, like, hey, look, the first men and the, the children right. got together. Uh, and fought the White Walkers before it's all happening again. Right. Although I, there's a lot of people that wrote in with the take, essentially, it's like, just because you find cave paintings of mythological events does not mean they're true. I mean, you know, we we uncover the poems of Homer, and we don't literally believe that the Olympians were sure. a thing. So, like, yeah. but, but they, I, I guess the question is, do these people in this medieval quasi time period find those things significant and it does seem it was significant to both of them and from a storytelling standpoint are they really going to say hey look at all these drawings and then those turn out to not actually right. be significant in well, any but way that's the because thing, they're like, made up also no, of course not it's also, a story i think it's more like from like why was this convincing to danny the mm. problem the, the thing is is it was like from our yeah. standpoint we've seen the white walkers we know it's true right um and then i guess it's also the fact that you've got this guy saying i've literally seen this guy and he's real, and then he goes and finds a cave. Unless you want to go with the Jim joke that John himself made those cave I paintings. Every, everybody on Reddit's making that joke. Everybody. Yeah, I, I but was you, like, but you were on record like ten minutes after with it. Like you might be the that first. That was an original thought, certainly. But I think everybody else had the same original thought. Is yeah, I saw people drawing comics of yeah. it. Like it was. Uh, there's there's a if lot I were of fun more man. talented. I would have. But made yeah, a song so or do you think? I think this is easily a top five episode probably a top three episode maybe the best episode of all time oh boy yeah no i still really like the blackwater the the finale of the blackwater yeah um not the finale of that season but the the, the epic conclusion yeah, yeah, of the yeah. battle um man I, it- I don't i don't know if i can <clears throat> excuse me I don't know if I can give it number one, but I would certainly put it way high up there, certainly in the top five. It's hard for me to judge because number most of the big moments I saw coming, like the only ones I didn't, like season one, I hadn't read the books yet. So mm-hmm. like net, like that's the first thing that like, what the hell? 
I haven't um, read any of the books, so they were right. all like that to me. But it, it's hard for me to gauge, like, was this bigger than X, Y, or Z? Because yeah. this I didn't, you know, I, I don't know anything about what's coming. So, like, all this is, is spectacle on top of being a surprise. Um, but and also I think there's got, you got it. There's almost two types of great Game of Thrones episodes. There's mm-hmm. the spectacle, and then there is kind of, like, the emotional, shocking slash character moments. Yeah, like hard red, home versus the red wedding. Like yeah. red wedding, purple wedding versus hard home versus battle of bastards versus spoils of war. Yeah. It's, you know, it's almost like you need two separate brackets. Right. And, and this, I, I don't know if you watched any of, like, the featurettes on the, the website, uh, HBO's website. I but did. They had an inside that scene into the fire, or whatever mm-hmm. it was called, where they showed all the, the behind the scenes of making the, the Drogon uh, Lannister battle scene. Right. And it was crazy. Like, yeah. I, they set a record for the number of people simultaneously, simultaneously on, on fire. fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 20 people at a time they would set on fire with a massive uh, fireball, mm-hmm. and then they would count to 12, like one. Two right. and you were supposed to hold your breath the right. whole time, yeah, and and act and flail around and then fall on your face and then right. at twelve they would stop and and people with fire extinguishers come in and douse you and I we, couldn't believe how many people they set on fire at the same time, right? Because that's the thing, like you can hold your breath for a decent amount of time with practice, but uh-huh. like. When you're on fire and your adrenaline's jacked and you're flailing around, I yep. bet those 12 seconds can seem like a long time. Absolutely. But it was utterly convincing. Like, there's a couple times that particularly the guy that, like, like was fighting and then slumped over this, like, armor stand or whatever. Uh-huh. Like, that, it paid, like, you know, not going CGI and actually getting a stuntman on fire. Mm-hmm. Um was was incredible and yeah doing that all simultaneously because i wondered that myself because because i've seen people being set on fire before right and it always seems like a big thing like there's a countdown and you know uh, and, and you have to get the guy out because yeah. that's the thing people don't realize it's not just wearing the crazy insulated stuff it's not just the gel it's the fact that you can't breathe because you get flame in your lungs and right. you die uh-huh. <laughs> uh the fact that they did 20 at once is is bonkers yeah and I would love to know what the safety protocols and stuff are. But, um, man, for sheer spectacle, it, it was awesome. It really showed how terrible these dragons are. Mm-hmm. Like, they are the, the nuclear warheads of, of their time. And I thought that was another... When they show all those blackened and burnt bodies, it reminded me of a lot of, like, the, you know, post-Hiroshima uh, and uh, uh, Carmage. Or Carnage, not Carmage. Carnage. Mm-hmm. Um and it just—it's just really, you know, the the you, you hear people talk about the horrors of war. Well, here it is. Yeah. You know, getting burnt to death by a giant lizard, getting run down by these screaming horse lords. It's uh, it's it's a shitty way to die. Yeah, but it's great to see. Yeah. Uh, how much more do you want to talk about before we get to the recap? Uh, I guess I'm I'm I I, I do want to issue to uh, another Mia culpa for yet another the, the fuck up we did last week on the podcast. We. So someone asked us, or I think we pondered, or whatever, about whether, uh, you know, when Danny said uh, you, your two brothers were lost, and we speculated about whether John knew about Bran being killed, and and whether uh, or not being killed, he's mm-hmm. a survival. And Danny, uh, two people, I'll give credit for the first two people. Uh, Abe's A said, I "Want to remind you that Sam has seen Bran because he led him through the wall when he's going north, and later on when John makes it back to the wall after escaping the whole being a wildling." thing uh sam tells john about it so mm-hmm. uh also lorraine said in season five when sans is berating theon reek for killing bran and rickon he admits that he couldn't find them and he killed two other boys instead later when brienne saves him he says he can't fall because john will kill him and sans replies that he will tell him about bran and rickon 
So uh, when he she is convincing John to take back Winterfell, she says it's their home and also mentions Bran and Arya, quote-unquote, wherever they are. So yeah. it's obvious, and we should have known, that uh, John knows that Bran is alive. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a one-sided thing like I speculated. So sorry about that. Yeah, I, I don't know that that was like a an error of us thinking those things never happened or just not remembering them. Because, oh, totally. Like, that's my biggest problem on this is trying to remember seven seasons worth of stuff yes. that's happened. And yes. especially those early seasons because they're way more intricate in oh, a yeah. lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. And things are subtly hinted at. Um, like this dagger, I really did not remember the significance of it mm-hmm. um, after watching the episode the first time. And I went and I read a little bit about it, mm-hmm. and it's more significant. But, man, if if there's, like a couple of lines in there about something, I might not remember them. Yeah, no. But anyway, I just want to issue that correction, and uh, thank you to those people. Also, I mentioned on the Instant Podcast the term Dr. Branhattan, mm-hmm. uh, the play on the Dr. Manhattan and Bran. Uh, I actually had uh, someone that his name is Moral Midgetry on Reddit claims the first person on Reddit to use that term. Uh, John G. and Meehan D. both sent me the term on like hours apart in the same day. But then Moral Midgetry also mentioned that the Double Ds themselves have used that term. So this might be hmm. just like an obvious joke. <laughs> kind of like right. John's cave paintings. Yeah. Who, who takes credit for it? I do. I'll, I'll take credit <laughs> for all of it. <laughs> all right. So I think we're ready to talk about the episode now. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off badass season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre, We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, (laughs) now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Hey, before we get much further, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, of course, every week, 
we have the three main Game of Thrones uh, podcast episodes released. Sunday night is the instant take. That's just our off-the-cuff impressions where we get details wrong, like whether gold got melted in the <laughs> dragon base conflagration. Uh, Tuesday, the main cast where we got our shit together and we don't make hopefully as many mistakes. And Friday, we have the spoiler edition, which we talk about lore from the books, backstory, world building, crazy theories. Uh, we do not talk about production spoilers in the spoiler podcast uh we consider those leaks out of bounds um so if you are a book reader or a show watcher that's got a sense of adventure you're welcome to join us there we also did a little fun uh one-off maybe it's going to be slightly recurring as we go uh rick and morty bald move television on baldmove.com uh, where we talked about our thoughts on the series uh, as a whole and why you should be watching it and our reaction to the first two uh, new episodes in season three uh, there was a lot of information for for club members. Uh, we had a Empire Business on advertising, behind-the-scenes look at advertising on a podcast. And we also, uh, coming out this week, uh, we'll have an Empire Business where we sat down with David Chin, uh, who's one of the co-hosts of the Cast of Kings, one of our uh, friendly competition. And we talked podcaster to podcaster about the business of podcasting. Those are exclusively for club members. Uh, we also released a quip last week, uh, Quit Your Pitchin', where we come up with fake TV shows and and pitch each other what those TV shows would look like if they were real. Uh, and then uh, a negative one, uh, we had announced that we were going to do a first-run movies of Annabelle Creations, or Creation, rather. Uh, origins or Creation? Creation. And we're not going to be able to do that because we have a scheduling conflict. We're not going to be able to get to the theaters to see it in time. So we're not. We're just want to announce that we're not going to be able to do that this week. Um, but still, chock full of content at baldmove.com. Check it out. Okay, we start off with the Lannister army um, transporting their booty back to King's Landing. Jamie pays Bronn with a giant bag of gold. Bronn's not satisfied because he's not getting a castle. Uh, so Jamie says, yeah, 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 after this war, we'll get you a castle. Uh, Jamie tells Bronn to help the Tarly men gather the grain from all the farms uh, out in the Reach. Uh, th- so many promises from the Lannisters that I don't feel are going to be upheld. I don't. I don't feel like they can. A because I don't think they're going to win the war. Because the world's ending, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, but B, I don't even know if they intend to keep those promises. Well, and also Bronn. Bronn's making this interesting heroic turn mm-hmm. because throughout the series he's been a cell sort, emphasis on cell, mm-hmm. and now he does. Uh, you know, he loses his gold. He decides to fight anyway. He decides to stick around and help Jamie rather than fleeing. Um, I, I don't know what to make of that. But I also thought there was an interesting tongue-in-cheek phrasing going on here as Jamie's admonishing Braun, hey, man, the more you have, the more it weighs you down. Yeah. With him getting drowned in the river at the end of the episode. Uh, right. I thought I thought that was, that was kind of clever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, regardless of our mistake with the loot train and where the gold went and all that, um, do you feel like by the end of the episode – what were those wagons full of? Are these grain shipments? That's my best guess, yeah. And I'm it doesn't unsure s- whether Danny knows that. The other thing is, like, if, if even if it is, if you look at just strictly what we see on the screen, Danny burns half a dozen to a dozen wagons. Surely that's not all the grain in the reach. Yeah. They talk about stragglers, you know, stragglers, being super far behind and how right. they couldn't reinforce the their lines because if, it gotten too stretched out. Right, because we. Got I all do these think it's curious back. that the the presumably heavily laid, um, you know, weighed down gold wagons were able to blister a trail of the King's Landing and be the first among the first to arrive. Yeah, 
I mean, it's certainly the most important thing, right. I think, for the Lannisters. But it's also the but, hardest to move. Like, a wagon full of gold is going to be a lot heavier and more cumbersome than a wagon full of grain. Yeah, but they don't have to gather up all the, the gold. That's you true. You know, it's already gathered. You're right. So, there was, and like, I, getting all the grain from the Reach is going to take a while. And I think that's what some people have a problem with this episode. Like, this episode is only, like, 45, 50 minutes long, but the time that is elapsing is a hell of a lot longer than that. Yeah. Like it's a, it's several days as the co as the crow flies to go from as the horse high, rides as the horse uh, yeah. to go from High Garden to King's Landing when you're talking about men and wagons and then you talk about the fact that you're having to collect harvest as you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could be talking about a matter of weeks that this episode elapses. I mean, right. John, I mean, think about it. John starting a mining operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Theon's been able. Uh, of course, I guess Theon was kind of right off the coast <laughs> I, I that's the thing it's 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 tough but I, I'm, I'm really trying to give this show the benefit of the doubt because it's 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 really really good yeah uh so then we go to the i'm gonna call him an instrument because that's what he calls himself uh from I the think iron his name's bank nestor nestor yeah hmm okay i think that's the one of the characters from like nintendo power, the nintendo power sure yeah show. yeah uh you didn't see the power glove i did not yeah see valerian power glove. power glove he was wearing huh uh, that's the instrument right there oh yeah um he so he's from the iron bank whoever he is he's incredibly impressed with cersei's ability to deliver the the gold agreed upon in a single payment uh he's also very eager to extend her some more credit and she's eager to accept it um it seems like they're gonna try and get the golden company involved from over in Essos. Mm-hmm. Uh, how strong is the Golden Company? Uh, I, do, do you have any insight into that? Or does the show give us any insight into that? Because right now they're pretty nebulous in my mind. So the Golden Company is one of the more renowned uh, of the sellsword companies in Essos. There's a bunch. You, we've heard of like mm-hmm. the Second Sons. That was the one that I believe Dario headed up. Right. Uh, the Golden Company was founded by one of the traitor bastard Targaryens from the Blackfire Rebellion. Hmm. Um, okay. And he went over to Essos and founded it, and they're one of the ones that uh, you know. Cell swords are famous for being fickle. Like if you if 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 the, the 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 side of might and wealth is on your side, that they'll be loyal to. But if the if the battle shifts and it looks like they might not get paid, mm-hmm. then you know you're gonna. They're, the the Golden Company is kind of renowned for like taking their contracts more serious and being more honorable about oh, it. Okay. Um. But uh, that's so that's that's kind of the history of them. Uh, there's more to say in the spoiler section, but uh, we'll have to wait to get that to Friday. Also, instant correction: guy's name's Tycho Nestorosis, Nestoro, Nestoris. He goes by Nestor. Yeah, yeah, he and he still has a power glove. That's yeah. that's not a that's that's <laughs> yeah. fact. That's fact. You can look it up. Wikipedia, Vice and Fire. So bad. Valerian power glove is a thing. All right, uh, let's move on to Littlefinger. He's... That's the thing. Like, I think that's the re- this is the, the 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 core breakdown from me not hearing uh, besides besides his want 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 voice, not hearing about the gold because they make it this big thing. Like, will the gold arrive? And if the gold arrives, then I'll do this. And I was like, why do that if you're going to in this same episode mention Before, that the gold gets there? I mean, they, yeah, yeah, they do it very very quickly. Wasn't it in that first scene? 
No, no, no. It's it's, it's the it's, later? it's this okay. it's, it's as it's right before Drogon shows up and fucks shit up. He oh, rides up right. and says, "Hey, my lord, BT Dubs, the yeah. gold's totally safe. Don't worry about it." Yeah, no, they do like tease that it's going to be some big deal. Yeah, uh, but then it's not. Yeah, yeah, it's very strange. And they make careful to show wagons are loaded with gold in the beginning. So it's like mm-hmm. it, there's there's a one 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 sentence that tells you otherwise. The rest of the episode screamed like it was going to be a plot point. So yeah, fuck me, I guess. Uh, so Littlefinger gives Bran the knife that was used to try to kill him. Uh, he says also that he loved Catelyn and he would have done anything to protect her. Also, he'll do anything he can to help Bronn. Uh, he mentions the chaos that's happening uh, all over the land at the moment. Mm-hmm. And Bran, as as much as Bran has ever leaned in to say something <laughs> ominous, uh-huh. Bran says chaos is a ladder, which shuts Littlefinger up. Yeah immediately which was awesome yeah uh, then mira walks in and she says hey i'm leaving he thanks her for his help for her help but she gets upset because he's an emotionless monster <laughs> I, I mean what do you want i said thank you yeah but, i mean that's but but yeah she wanted something more like it was very meaningful to her i think it would have been meaningful to bran but he's the three-eyed raven now yeah i wonder what because you're right like uh, it's one of those things where words fail to describe the fact that like your brother died, Hodor died, Summer died. Maybe a hug. You but... you you drug literally drug my ass mm-hmm. g- leagues leagues through this this uh, frozen forest, hounded by White Walkers, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, but but I don't. Brandis doesn't care. He's not yeah. Brand anymore. And and Mira, I don't. I mean, I I've always thought as a theory that Mira was going to be kind of his link to humanity or a way to find his humanity, and maybe that'll come true later in the day, later in the series. But for mm. now, it seems like nope. Uh, maybe Mira exists just to show us the depths to which he's lost, because you know maybe things are awkward between his family, and you know, but but him and Mira have been together since season two, mm-hmm. and they've been through a On lot. The same journey together, exactly, yeah. exactly. I guess she wanted to hear a please don't go, <laughs> like, yeah. or, or at least a hug. A hug would have done it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's an emotionless monster. It's like I can barely be bothered to hug my two actual sisters. Actually, I can't be bothered to hug Sansa, but I will give Arya a hug. I noticed that. That was I, surprising. I, I compared and contrast. I think people are making the fact that that three quarters of his face is obscured by Maisie Williams. No, there's a hand on her back. Yeah, There's but, a black leather glove on her back, but it's not like a bear hug. He I, didn't no, he do that. Was like, no, he doesn't. He doesn't move for Sansa. It's almost he was on like, a wagon. It's the it's the increased mobility afforded to him by Master Wojan's uh, right wheelchair allowed. I I just yeah. think that people are making a little bit much over I, the hug reactions. I. I Pointed out in jest, but okay. yeah, it's, all right. Because I think some funny. people are being serious. Like maybe he liked Arya more than Sansa, or maybe people. A lot are... of people liked Arya more than Sansa at the beginning. Most people. Yeah. In fact, I still think if you, if someone's citing their favorite character, like the odds are Arya is going to be a couple notches over the rung of chaos and, and Sansa. For sure. Um, but then people are taking it to the extreme, like, oh, maybe Bran knows that Sansa is going to betray them. He's seen the future, and that. And like, that come on, settle down, settle yeah. down. Settle down. Don't think there's enough evidence that's been presented to jump to that conclusion. Uh, yeah, the other big thing in this scene that I briefly mentioned is this chaos is a ladder line, uh-huh. which obviously calls back to a conversation, uh, season three, I think, that right. uh, Varys and him had while he right. was kind of ogling the throne. Right. 
Um, he told Varys that chaos isn't a pit, chaos is a ladder. Right. And he's keen on climbing it. Yeah, and it's also, so the real question is, if Bran knows everything, you know, we talked about this on the spoiler edition a bit, like, what does that even mean? Does that mean he's got access to all that information, but he has, there's, there's got to be something that, you know, because, you know, we've got access to the internet. We have right. access to all of human knowledge. That doesn't mean we know everything. Mm-hmm. So if Bran has is, – is, does Bran – is he now omniscient or does he have the capability? He just has to ask the right questions and view the right visions because right. it does seem he's got enough to blow Littlefinger wide open. In fact, maybe Littlefinger is the one that fucked up by handing him that knife that got Bran to thinking. Um, but yeah. clearly if Bran knows everything about Littlefinger, why wouldn't he just spill the beans? There might be a grander plan in place. Right, I don't like, know. Like as soon as like as he hands him a knife, it's like, ah, uh, yeah, Littlefinger did everything. Lock him up. He killed my dad. Uh-huh. Uh, he sold off Sansa. He totally meant it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah, I I don't understand why Littlefinger is free to walk the castle. I don't know, but that was definitely an oh shit moment. Like mm-hmm. Littlefinger is little, in trouble. It's rare that Littlefinger has old shit moments, but it seems yeah. like this season he's destined to have a bunch because it just mm-hmm. like. It it seems like every time you cut over to Littlefinger, it's like he's Jesse Pinkman at the the Walt the at the White's family dinner, just gulping water and you know kind of reactions. <laughs> right. It's uh, an unfamiliar look on Littlefinger's face. Uh, this scene also does a lot to place the timeline. Uh, we see the Maester Welkin built that wheelchair, so we know it's at least six years in the future. There's no possible way Maester Welkin could have built it faster. <laughs> Yeah, uh, if you, I don't if, have much if, faith. In if Mace you look at medieval wheelchair building technology, mm-hmm. you'll find that like Leonardo da Vinci took seven years to construct the first one. It, oh, I even, just think it's Maester Welkin. Even if the Venetian handicapped arsenal uh-huh. could could crank out one a day, I mean that was an assembly line thing. They used canals and pulleys and shit. Like it's yeah, you, yeah it's super super comfortable with the the six year estimate there. Also, you compare, you know, the the blacksmithing and. What did he call it? What did uh, Kyburn call? Oh, god the, damn it! The yes. woodcraft, the architecting of this weapon. Right. If you compare, the, they had Arsonalist everybody. Or yeah, yeah, everybody working mm-hmm. on that mm-hmm. compared to this wheelchair, where it's just Mister Welkin in his shop, right. hammering together boards. Yeah, he whittled it from a single large piece of weirwood. Oh, that's cruel. Yeah, Brand needs those. Re- re- no, but I'm thinking alive. like, but that, now he's connected all oh, the time. He's, right? Yeah. See? It's like if you could take Cerebro and like right. put it in a backpack. That see, that's what the three eyed raven. He fucked up. He sat in the tree, and the tree became him. Right. You get that tree mobile, man. <laughs> put yeah. some wheels on that tree. Now you got. Now you got something. <laughs> nice. Uh, so Arya tries to get back in the gates at Winterfell, but they don't believe she is who she says she is. So she threatens them with punishment once Sansa finds out that they turned her away. So they let her in, but when the guards turn their back, Arya disappears, and the guards tell Sansa, who goes to the crypts, for a reunion with Arya. Then they go to see Bran for a reunion. Neither reunion is entirely comfortable. Um, I think Sansa's reunion with Arya is the most comfortable. Um, and I actually like how, you know, they're both pretty standoffish, both a little, a little hesitant. They don't know how much each other have changed. Um, but by the end of it, they seem to be back together, mostly as sisters, as much as these two characters. Yeah, and, and a lot of that awkwardness reminded me of, like, Landau Calrissian, Han Solo. Yeah. Like, it's it's more of like, oh, do I have to call you lady now? And she's like, yes. yes. And then they both you know, kind of smile. Uh-huh. Um, and then it's got to be, like, you wonder, like, 
you know, in the books, you always you have these insights into their minds where like Sansa's thinking back about how much she fought with Arya and how much she had disdain for John and how how stupid that all seems now. And like there's similar yeah. thoughts with Arya. And so, like, I don't think you need all that POV to see, like, you know, the fact that they used to pull each other's pigtails and tease each other about who's a lady and who's a tomboy. That's just the fact that they're all back together is is really nice. And they're bonding over the fact that their father's statue um, doesn't look exactly like uh, old uh, old Ned. Yeah. I thought good. that was pretty cool. What did you make of the line when she goes, oh, my God, when John sees you, his heart will probably stop? I, I thought that was a a wry little line <laughs> like his heart has stopped once right so i just um, yeah i don't because that's you know I'm, I'm i'm trying to figure out what the end game is going to look like and you mm-hmm. know there's so many different theories about who's going to kill who and who's going to betray and oh danny's going to do this and john's going to do that and is there any room that Arya might have to kill john for some reason um either because of some kind of maybe ep- i mean there was the she wants to kill this <laughs> Fuck, I don't remember their names. Thoros and Beric, yeah, Beric, Melisandre, right? Because of their Lord they, of the Light, they shit. stole. They stole Gendry, right? And I, I don't know at what point, like, or they, they didn't set, they did, they gave him up the the Melisandre for they they broke the bro code. I already didn't like it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if John ever gets lumped in with that for like assisting Melisandre. I can't imagine that she would kill. Someone who she views as a brother and is that close to just because he helped Melisandre. Mm-hmm. But now that he's he's resurrected, I mean, they've, they've really, you know, if you look at Beric, uh, he's lost a little bit of himself along the way. And mm-hmm. John, they, they, they paid lip service to that when John is immediately resurrected, but that hasn't really paid off. Like, John just seems like John with a few more scars. Totally. I wonder if there is going to be something about, like, the god of death is owed a sacrifice, and when all is said and done, like, I'm not saying Arya is going to be happy about it, but I wonder if this will be some kind of, like, John, maybe John can never die. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's looking for the gift of death, because that's the thing, like, the the faceless men assassinate for for profit, but they also give the gift freely for whoever wants it. Right. I wonder if there's 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 a little bit of foreshadowing there. I... And that would be a, that'd be a tough moment. Like John, like after all is said, done, like I just I just want to rest, and the only way I can rest is to die. Would would you kill me, Arya? <laughs> That's I mean, even if we're talking w- Arya being a ninety year old woman, that uh-huh. still seems like a really short time to say. You know, I've had enough life. I'm saying no. I'm saying like as soon as the war's over, like you know he's really? been through so much, and this this uh, being brought back to life uh, maybe is, yeah. puts a lot of mileage on you. I, I don't know something. Uh, so uh, maybe that's my looking way too into it of the week. <laughs> I, I do have questions about how long Arya is going to stick around. You know, she's home, and it yeah. feels good in the moment. But I don't think Arya is going to be satisfied just staying here. I'm not even sure she'll stick around to see John because John's still got a ways to go before he comes back. Oh yeah, first of all, like, he's got to mine all that dragon. He's got he, he's also got to get the deal from Asandi where he can just leave anytime he wants. Right, um, he's got to get his boat back. <laughs> right. Um. I, yeah. I. 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 I don't know. I don't know because the other thing is, does Arya go to King's Landing to assassinate Cersei, or does she help her family, or does she help her family by going to King's Landing and assassinating Cersei? Mm, I like that one. Yeah, take take Littlefinger's face, head to King's Landing. I mean, what the good guys really need is some intelligence, some yeah. military intelligence, and having a spy that can shapeshift would be almost more valuable than having an assassin that can shapeshift. Yeah, like they need little birds, and Arya would be the the biggest little bird of all time. <laughs> She would. Uh-huh. 
I do like how they kind of just casually drop the, oh, by the way, I have a list of people that I'm going to kill. And Sansa's reaction to that is really good. She kind of doesn't take it seriously. And What's, then Arya half laughs about it because she knows how weird it is. Um, but Why do you think Bran gives Arya the dagger? I... I I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure where Bran is coming from at this point. Because I, um, I he's w- playing the chess game so deep that I don't know I can follow him. He's playing sixty four dimensional chess. Yeah, I he's test tesseract chess. I or I he's wonder, not playing it at all. I really don't know. Yeah, I also wonder because because when he gave it up, I'm like, man, dude, you are a target of the White Walkers. If anything, you know, with you your legs not being of use, you could use mm-hmm. like a personal sidearm that is yeah really good at killing white walkers right uh but giving it to giving it to ari is interesting because you know valerian steel dagger like whoopty shit like okay mm-hmm. you have a peerless dagger great yeah. in a world of like i i wouldn't take my chances of a valerian steel dagger versus just your shit iron iraq from a dothraki mm-hmm. uh it almost the, the only reason in the the um the valerian part would be interesting is if she gets to use it against white walkers Okay. So she's going to steal a white walker. She's going to put on the puckered butthole face of a white walker, mm-hmm. sneak up to the Night's King. They're going to, she's going to exchange some gloating, some gloating greetings, and then just <laughs> right in the middle of his chest. I don't know what she's going to do with that. but It's significant. He, he intentionally gives it to her right. for whatever reason. It's significant. And, and I don't know why it's significant. Cause it's, it, it's significant because like in a lot of the preseason production, like Arya was prominently wearing it on her waist. Uh, in the uh, scrolls and the books that Sam was pouring through in the Citadel, it was prominently shown in artwork. Yeah, there's something special about this, uh, and I I don't and I don't. Some people were speculating about like you know, well, well, who do we know of the owners, and is that part of the riddle? I don't, I don't, I think that we move beyond that. Like who, who or what caused the War of the Five Kings? Um, you know, other than I guess. Littlefinger's complicity in it? I don't know that right. it's important. Like, was right. it Joffrey? Was it Tyrion? Was it somebody mm-hmm. else? Who cares? But yeah, that and for them to bring it. it back up this close to the end of the series yeah. says that it's going to be important to somebody. Yeah. And I think you're right. It could be important to Littlefinger in that it could cause his death. <laughs> yes. Yes, that would be very important to him. Yeah. Uh, so, Sandy tells... Nope. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Bran, Bran sees the Stark girls happy together. Um, and she's happy, and then Pod tells her she did a good job. This is, I, this is a good little moment for them. I liked it. It, it is, and, and Brienne allows herself to be called the lady, which is uh, some progress mm-hmm. on you know her character front and, and a thong between her relationship with Pod and Brienne. And what's interesting is little thing, the, the only time he looks smug in this whole episode was when he was observing this particular reaction. Yeah. Like, does he think he can somehow manipulate Brienne? Because I Man, think he's I barking know. up the wrong super tall lady tree. Absolutely. If he's going to come 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 at her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know what his game is either. Because he looks somewhere on... between flop sweat and shitting his pants throughout most of this episode. But there is the one yeah. time he looks down and he's like, oh, an angle I can exploit. Maybe he's going to exploit Pod. Ah, Pod's, Pod's a little more naive. Pod right? is Pod is a, a a fucking turnip head. I don't know what good could come of that yeah. for Littlefinger, but yeah, he's like, oh, I should have gave the blade to the Pod. <laughs> yeah, for what? reasons I don't know. All right, Miss Andy tells Danny that the Unsullied haven't sent word yet, um, and implies that she fucked Grey Worm. Yeah, or, 
Fuck can't call Graham. The, he's sullied. He's sullied from hell to back now. Sure is. All kinds of sullied. Uh, then John asks Danny to join him in the caves before start uh, before they start hacking it to bits. And he shows her the dragon glass and some cave drawings that the children and first men made of the White Walkers. Yeah. Let me ask you this before we talk too much about it. Is John still sleeping on the beach? Because <laughs> he comes out of nowhere. He's just on the beach with nobody else there. I think he's, he's, he came from the caves, right? The caves are uh-huh. adjacent to the beach. So he's sleeping in the caves. He's sleeping in the caves, yep. Down by the river. Okay. In a van. Uh, what do you want to say in all seriousness about this scene? Uh, Amelia and Kit look really good by torchlight. Okay. Like, yeah. Amelia's not my type, but holy shit was she good looking down in, in this in this cave. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's, like, digital, because I I know, like, in the um, in the Weirwood tree, or uh-huh. by the Weirwood tree in Winterfell, uh-huh. like, all of those kids look like they've had something digital done to them. Uh, like, their eyes are all super blue, uh, and yeah. all the colors are, like, really, really saturated. I like, think that's of their what their hair yeah. and yeah. The, their eyes and the leaves. They're definitely boosting the the cool colors in Winterfell, which brings yeah. out the blue in their eyes. It looks really cool. It makes uh, all of them have almost, like, a like a glow to them. Yeah, and, the, and, and now that you mentioned that, like, there might be just a little bit of artistry here comparing the, you know, this to, to and as much as this is a song of ice and fire, you show the ice kids and then... The fire mm-hmm. kids and and John's cool in every hood because he's half Targaryen half Stark. Um, uh-huh. I I thought it was cool. I thought that the cave paintings were just um, I don't know. It feels a little shortcutty to me, but the fact that the characters took him so seriously and the fact that I I, I think that even if you're skeptical, you got to at least give them credit for the fact that they've essentially had this in the works since the very first scene of the very first episode, yeah. you know, with these, these patterns at the white walkers and the fact that they, you know, they've shown the relationship to him between them now. And, and now we're getting these other hints. And I, 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 I thought it was pretty good. Um, yeah. And it makes me wonder is, is this a warning from, you know, the children and the first men who were yeah. in this cave together? Um, is, are the spirals like a warning to us or are they significant to the children or yeah you know what does the spiral mean exactly it's clear that the white walkers have some kind of of link to to the children right and Mm. their culture i guess Mm. because we we see that they can do things like draw spirals and bodies but but to what end like how how far down the path of you know understanding i guess do they go if they can decipher these hieroglyph- hieroglyphics. It'll it'll be an insight into their gloat based language. Maybe John can yeah. can communicate by gloating. I think Davos should get in there with his yeah. newfound reading skills and <laughs> see if he can figure it out. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're not you're not so uh, you're not so up the the Westerosi language ass. You're you're a newcomer, so you 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 won't your mind won't be calcified. You're open to spirals and triangles with lines drawn through them. Uh, is it possible that we could see Sam? make a connection here with these spirals and could this be. cave and like understand more about what it means and kind I of mean, break it, the, the it, cryptography of the I walkers. I mean, there's the mystery of what is all, because a lot, you know, one of the popular things to discuss is like all those rotted scrolls are actually, you know, it's, it's a quasi punishment to mm. transcribe them. Maybe those are particularly um, rotten scrolls that would be of, of use. Like maybe there's a pictograph right. of the children, language of the children of men. Or it's Charter and Forest, rather. That would be interesting. Um, so my question to you 
is Danny agrees to fight for him right now if he bends the knee and he refuses. Why doesn't he refuse? Why does he refuse? Subset of that question, it seems it seems obvious to the point of of craziness that the answer here is a marriage alliance. <laughs> the whole reason she dumped Dario uh-huh. Nyquilis's ass on the shores of Essos is because she knew coming here one of her one one of the big Big bargaining trip uh, chips she'd have is the keys to her vagina. Mm-hmm. Uh, why doesn't she just toss those at John? And then everything's fine. Like, okay, you'll be my queen king consort. Or I'll be your queen con. Whatever. We're we're in it to win it. The whole continent. We're all bound together, north and south. Why hasn't someone, Tyrion, Varys, uh, suggested this? Hmm. Well, I, I don't think you make that your first offer. I think bending the knee is probably preferable because then you've still got that bargaining chip. Uh, so maybe she's still on that angle. But she's she's worked this bend the knee three different times. And then the other thing is like yeah, also yeah. it kind of there's symbolic. You know, bending the knee that's the traditional way to propose marriage. Okay, sure. So fucking yeah, bend the that's just just get this done. I I don't who I mean that's the thing. Like, why would you mention that? You have to come over to Westeros with your with your pr- prospects wide open mm-hmm. because that's politically useful. And then you lose all your allies. None of those allies of which you could marry anyway. Um, well, I mean, there's, I'm not. Uh, I don't. I don't. Uh, I'm not saying that Danny couldn't marry the Sand Snakes or Lady Olena. That would be mm-hmm. hilarious. But the marriage prospects not as great, maybe. To yeah. marry into a bastard family, a bastard rebel family, and a 90 year old woman. Uh, and the Greyjoys, eh? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe she could marry. Maybe she could marry uh, Yara. <laughs> no, I think a marriage between Aletta and Danny would be pretty fucking hilarious. <laughs> now we know it can't happen, but man, that would have been great. Uh, yeah, I, I just seems like that's um, this. It's is just some, not your first offer, right? It's not I, know, first, I know he's it's turned not her down first several offer. times, but she's still trying. It's not your first offer, but I feel like it's it's threatening to be obtuse. The fact that if this is you know the fact that Danny is so desperate and so is John that if someone doesn't mention by next episode, uh, I'd say I'd tear up my hair. Except it's all gone. I'll I'll start ch- chunks of my beard are going to be threatened. <laughs> I feel like less time has passed on that island than has passed everywhere else. What is it like? Fucking the no, no, the, no. Just the, the island that King wise. Arthur went as Avalon. Like literally, yeah. like there's a time dilation happening <laughs> everywhere else. It's the Dragonstone. It's 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 more dense. The gravitational forces are more extreme. But you know what I mean. Like in storytelling terms, I yeah. think a lot more time is passing with like the High Garden stuff yeah. and the the Sand Snakes being killed and like all that. Then it, it feels like it's been a few days, maybe. Yeah. Up on Dragonstone um, to where John started mining, yeah, um, or hasn't even started mining, but has talked about like he scoped it out. All right, so the other part of the question is why won't he just bend the knee? Because like a lot yeah, of people th- emailed us, and I'll probably give credit to someone in the feedback section, but it's it's come up. So dry pie, everybody. Uh, why this is the, the 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 statement that she makes about like why wouldn't you save your people if only your pride's in a way is almost identical to his effort to appeal to. Uh, uh, Mance Raider. And obviously Mance didn't do it either. Like Right. That's the point. John John he couldn't just bend the knee and say follow John because those people wouldn't have accepted that. Yeah. And we're dealing with the exact same situation here and John understands that now. He didn't at the time that he was talking to Mance, but he does now. I wonder why he doesn't say that, because I guess it wouldn't mean anything to Danny. It wouldn't, it's, yeah. It's, more... it's like Mance saying to John, if you don't understand that, then I can't explain it to you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because I think so. he's I think he's right. If he just bends the knee, uh, I don't know. I, it's, but again, the, the, then the next step is like, oh, it's, it's almost like it feels like a rom com where it's like it's, it's like, oh, what is the solution here? What is when we're all like the solution is to do this? And I don't know. I think it's a tough sell. If if John doesn't come back with like dragons or armies right. or at least the dragon glass. Um, prepared to fight the war that there that the north is concerned about right. i think the north might turn on him because he's already let's not forget he's already doing a thing that the north oh no very totally. strongly totally. disagrees with totally. by even meeting with danny right, right if he comes back and says yo we got married i don't know that they follow that even i just i mean it's it's a tough sell yeah it's like do things in westeros do things like guest right and marriage alliances still mean anything because right. if they do then i think that that's like that's the thing that would make them sit up and be like, oh, this is a serious thing. Like, Dan- John coming back with a, a ship's hold full of dragon glass would be one measure of good faith. But he comes back with, like, look, she gave me all this dragon glass, and mm-hmm. we have a marriage alliance now. But, but, so if but we, we've got to we, fight this southern battle before we go fight well, the White but Walkers. But that's the thing. Like, I think that's the thing. Like, People Danny, would turn on him. Danny is offering to fight for him, and mm-hmm. if, like, they got married, then, like, you know, like, let Danny. You've got you got no holding on Westeros right now. All of your allies are already destroyed that you could protect. There's mm-hmm. no one there. There's no there's no there there to save. So come up with me north. If I'm right, we'll save the whole realm and then with our combined might, we'll push south and and defeat the Lannisters. Mm-hmm. Because they're, you know, they're not they're they're yeah. I don't know. It's 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 tough. I just it's a little frustrating because I I I I wish someone I considered smart in universe would suggest this so so they can debate the merits on the show because it seems like a very obvious natural thing that no one is thinking about. So I bring up the the time dilation thing, the storytelling uh-huh. time dilation because I think that's where they're going. I think things are just progressing more slowly there than elsewhere in the realm. Okay, um, and I think Davos is going to be the one to bring it up. Okay, I, I mean Davos is already hinting at it, right? Like, oh, I seen you looking at her heart. Yes, like he knows and uh-huh. he is also a smart person and he's also a very good diplomat so i think he's probably gonna say it next episode if not right. sooner if not right. before then <laughs> there's gonna be a, a mini featurette on hbogo.com uh-huh. where davos just says hey john you right. should propose a marriage alliance if you won't i will <laughs> uh i, I, I kind of get the feeling that davos is a, a little attracted to miss sandy I think, I mean, yeah. I mean, he I, might just be being cordial and likes friendly. The thing. Like, when but, you're 60 years old, do you stop admiring the beauty of young women? Oh, of course I not. Think you cannot, I yeah. think you can not be creepy about it. And you can recognize right. that it's not in anyone's best interest. But, like, if I'm Davo, like, he's surrounded by beautiful women. Uh-huh. And also... And I don't think he's being creepy. I, he's I think just... he's also trying, like, maybe he's also playing the role of John's wingman. Because John is, like, John is so fucking sexually repressed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, all I mean, the, the last person. All of his, all of his brothers are going to Ma- the Moles Town, aka mm-hmm. Pound Town, and and yep. having a ball, and he can't even, you know, he's having to hide in a cave to do it. Right, right. <laughs> I, it's like you know, I feel like Davos needs to corrupt him a little bit. Yeah, come on, I'm with you. Uh, so Tyrion and Varys meet Danny when she emerges from the cave to tell her about the Casterly Rock blunder. Uh, she's pissed, and she wants to take the dragons to go melt some faces, but everyone, including John, advises against it. Yeah. Uh, man, I'm... Hmm. Boy, she really went after Tyrion. Uh, and I think, she's so. got, I think she's got a point, too, because later in the episode, yeah. uh, it bothers him to mm-hmm. see... Like, and I don't understand why it wouldn't. 
Yeah, I'm not sure that Tyrion himself even realizes in this scene that maybe that's on his mind. Right. Um, he might be deluding himself into thinking, I don't care about my family at all. Right. Or they got what's coming to him. Yeah. But then when you see what's coming to him. Right. It's way worse than he imagined. His his uh, eyes were too big for his his, stu- his stomach. Yeah. Uh, Danny definitely seems to be a little bit more on the John train here. She's asking him what he would do. I think it helps that he's giving... Like this is wise counsel. It is. Like it's yeah. hard to it's hard to dispute the fact that what he's saying that yep. You know, your mystique is built upon the fact that you're different. Well, if you mm-hmm. just go and shed innocent blood willy-nilly just because it's expedient, then you're not different. Yeah. And she she knows that. And I think it goes some of the way to explaining trying to explain to Danny also why he's doing what he's doing. Right. Cuz you know, he can't just go there and bend the knee to her because they would the northerners would view him as more of the same southern bullshit. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this bending of the knee and this uh, right. giving power to other people. No, we want freedom. And that's not how you get it by bending the knee. Right. Uh, then we see Arya teaching Brienne. Uh, wait. Arya sees Brienne teaching Pod how to fight. So she steps in. <laughs> how to get his ass kicked. Yeah. He's, he's getting really good at getting his ass handed to him. <laughs> he Man, he's a black belt in getting his ass handed to him. This is going to be one of those things where he can take any punch, any sword <laughs> blow. He can just withstand right. it. Right. Because he's so it's like, how you like my balls to your knee style. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's very, very Kung Pao, this scene. Uh, she steps in because she wants to train with Brienne, who she views as the most fearsome warrior. Beat the hound. Yeah. Uh, Brienne's surprised by how well she fights, and I think they fight each other to a standstill I here. I don't know how you feel about that. On subsequent watches, I do think that it's very obvious that Brienne is holding back. At the beginning, because yeah. I mean, what would you think if Brienne just just fucking lo, lo, like you know this little girl challenges to a fight and she just <laughs> right. you know fucks her up? Yeah, it's yeah. one thing with Pod. Yeah, say hello to your mother when you get to the Seven Hells. You know, <laughs> right. tell her I fulfilled my oath. Woo, free bird! It's like whatever she does, whatever. Yeah, and so, I'm thinking like some of these sword blows that Brienne is about is, oh, is willing to deal would cut her in half, regardless of whether this is a when when a like Arya, sword or not. When Arya fake hamstrings her, and then like she goes to knee, and then immediately slashes. Yeah, Arya would have been in some real hurting. <laughs> yeah, that's if she a hadn't big rolled sword. out of her way. Uh, yeah, and then afterward, Arya stares up at Littlefinger, who was watching from a balcony. Uh, Sansa was also watching from the balcony. She seems to be uh, not... It, I, I don't know how she's feeling about what her sister can do here, but she realizes how dangerous of a person Arya yeah, is. Yeah, there's now. a lot of... there's a lot of. Fe- I don't want to get too much in, but there's a lot of feedback discussing, like, what okay. is Sansa freaking out about, or what is she worrying about? This was such Littlefinger's a great obviously scene, worried, because he's like, Jesus Christ, yeah. these Stark I got... I got a fucking omniscient one. I got uh-huh. a fucking omnipotent one. You know, I don't know what San- Sansa's omni about, but like that's that's yeah. you know she she she's like Sansa's the weakest one, but she's the one that's most familiar with my bullshit. So mm-hmm. I got I got nothing. I got no angle to work here, man. Yeah, no, and I mean just the the idea of seeing Arya fight Brienne was such. I mean, personally, as a fan, that was awesome. Yeah, it was very cool. It was it was a moment I didn't really know I was waiting for, and I didn't expect to get. But because we haven't seen I her fight, found in a out long, that I wanted it. We haven't seen her fight in a long time. We haven't. No, I mean, we've um, seen her do like the, the waif is like the last time she fought, right? But not that was like you know with the sticks, and it was more like uh, trickery and and faceless man stuff. It wasn't just yeah. like I'm going to I'm going to beat you because I'm stronger and I'm better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I enjoyed it, and it also showed us. 
you know how much she's powered up since the last time she scuffled like she's she like you said fights Brienne to a standstill yeah and in the line who do you think actually wins in an all-out fight um man that's a good question I think I'm still gonna go with Brienne I, I think Brienne's got the size advantage and you see when she unleashes what well, I don't know. They both kind of hold Problem back a little. Is, at the I beginning. don't think that she is capable of fighting truly dirty. I mean, she kicks Arya in the chest. She it's does. Not she super gives her dirty. The, the Gina just... Carano memorial yeah. straight straight kick of of doom. Uh, yeah. Also, she can't do the face thing. So she, that's the thing. Like Arya's got Arya could come up as Podrick. I think and... the Hound cleans uh, Brienne's clock if he was healthy. Yeah. Uh, and as it is, it was an, it was a near run thing. I think Brienne's problem is that she's tied to the chivalrous mm. conduct stuff. Yeah, she wouldn't think to do the things that Arya would 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 was been trained to do. Uh, and then that line from Arya when when I think it's Brienne asks her, "Who taught you how to do that?" No, one, and she yeah. says, "No one." That was perfect. Right. Boom. Uh, then we go over to Davos teaching John about um, teasing John. Sorry about liking Danny. And John says, "Hey, I don't have time for that. I've got other concerns." Missandei then interrogates John about his oh, last name. Oh, come on, name. John! You got thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's about all they give it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I'm thinking John, like how much experience he's had. He gets with Danny. It's yeah. it's not going to be a ten round bout. No, no, probably not. Uh, Missandei interrogates John about his last name and doesn't understand the concept of a bastard because they don't have marriage in Narth, where she comes from. Uh, she tells John and Davos her background and explains to John that Danny's exactly the same as him, essentially. And then they see a Greyjoy ship sailing up. Like I said, a lot of a lot of support here for my in-game theory of of Danny uh, instituting some kind of constitutional monarchy or d- democracy, because essentially that's what Miss Sandy argues is she's the people's she's the people's leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I also like to call back to Stannis, where you know. Uh, uh, John's like we got ten thousand men or less, and Davos corrects him to fewer. Yeah, uh, that does. In fact, great. he's like, and this is King Snow, or that, that doesn't sound right. King John, I think <laughs> it would be King. Like it, it wasn't King Lannister. No, it's King it's Joffrey, always, King yep. Robert. Yes, it'd be King John. Like you don't have to worry about the fucking bastard shit. Probably the nineteenth or something. I don't also, know. I think it's time for John. Like this, I'm surprised they haven't d- done this. But like when a, a bastard is legitimized. Um and you know obviously as a king he can self legitimize. It's about time for him to take his own last name, his own house name, and his own house banner. But what is that? Do you want him to do it before he learns he's a Targaryen as well? <laughs> yeah, because then he's the Ice Fire. That'd be that's there. He's he's a uh, the Targaryen. He's Ice uh, Ice Fire Targaryen. Uh, John Ice Fire, like the Black Fires, go. only only cooler. I mean, he's already got the Sigil because I, I believe they're going with the the is it the White on. I can't remember which one is. If the Starks is white wolf on a gray field, and he's the gray wolf on the white field, or right. no, no, it's it's he's the gray, he's the the white wolf on a gray field because that also matches Ghost, or at least in the books. Oh. I, I haven't looked to see I think if that his would banners be, are consistent. I think that would be the reverse of the Stark. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, but then he still he needs to, he needs to come up with a house name because they can't like be Snow. I mean, no. I guess they could. That'd be funny. Just, <laughs> yeah. Right. Then every bastard and across then, the kingdom is going to have a claim like, Everyone has to, all bastards must change their name. It can't be Snow no more. Ah, oh, Jesus. It has to Seems be Frost. Like it has to be Frost or, or Snowflake, maybe. Uh-huh. Chill. Chill. There you go. <laughs> uh. Uh, so I, I do like how Miss Andy points out, uh, without really trying, to, I don't think she sets out to do this, but she essentially 
outlines the point that he and Danny are the same. You know, people follow them not because yeah. of their name or whatever, but because of the deeds they've done. Right. Um, and I think that's an important thing for John to realize about Danny as uh-huh. well as as vice versa. Uh-huh. Um, and I just don't think, like, Danny considers that from John's side and John doesn't consider that from her side. Because, like, if she did, she would say, what would my people say if I bent the knee to John? Right? They wouldn't have any of that. The Dothraki are not going to follow John. Hmm. She, John's not the, the person who birthed the dragons and came out of the fire and... Yeah, no. I that's the thing like I I can yeah, you you're absolutely right. Danny cannot bend the knee to John. It would be yeah. super stupid. And like, I think even, the same applies to John bending it, the knee to her. Well, I don't think it's as strong because like yes, John came back from the dead, so did she and she has three dragons. Like right, like, but as far John as their is people the are concerned, in this relationship. As far as their people are concerned though. No, I agree. Like, I don't think either of those other sides would follow the other I agree. king or queen. Right, right. I'm saying like John might think about it for a hot minute. Danny just is like, Why in the hell? I have all of the Trump cards. Yeah. Uh then we we go see that ship, that Greyjoy ship that lands on the coast there, and Theon is, I'll say, reunited with John. Um, John tells Theon the only reason he doesn't kill him right now is because of what he did for Sansa. Uh, Theon says he's here to ask Danny to help him get Yara back, and Davos says, hey, the queen's gone. Yeah, and also, Jesus Christ, do I want to see a plot where they go rescue? I don't, I mean... No. No, I don't. I, like, I, I have such great joy and antipathy. The fact that yeah. I might have to sacrifice 30 minutes of my valuable last bit of Game of Thrones for some kind of plot where they go and save Yara and, and Alaria, like, I could not care less. Now, do it yourself, Theon. Yeah, if no you want shit. it done, get Here's it done. Here's your redemption arc. Yeah. Handpick your own Greyjoy fleet and go get it done. Go do what your yep. sister did, and maybe she will do better than cowering in a cage in response. Right. I'm so fucking sick of this Greyjoy <laughs> shit. And it's, it's Theon stuff. Over it. Uh, do you have any insight into the way that Euron works? Does he leave a single ship afloat in order to like tell his tales? The or Dread Pirate Roberts. No. Yeah. I, essentially, I don't, I don't have any insight into Euron. No. Okay. Again, my Greyjoy antipathy. I in, until last season, I was I was kind of like, oh, cool. The Double Ds are just going to consolidate the Greyjoys, which means right. I don't have to care about them. That's and now nice. I have to fucking care about them. Yeah. The greatest crime that the Double Ds have ever committed. <laughs> Forcing me to care about the Greyjoys. So then we get to the final battle, the loot train scene. Um, Randall Tarley says the gold has made it to King's Landing. Um, there are some stragglers in the army, but apparently they only have grain. They're not important. Uh, he wants to whip them. Jamie says warn him first. Dickon remarks about how bad he feels for the men they slaughtered at Highgarden. I guess trying to make this character into somebody we care about. Not really. I still don't care about him after this. I don't, like he's, he's, he's getting short lived. He's, he's going to be there. a short lived character. He's not important. Does he survive this battle? I wonder if him and Tarly survived this battle. Because potentially, if they don't, I, I'm still str- I'm still struggling with what the point of Sam stealing his ancestral sword was. Right. If Tarly dies in this battle, it'll be a, especially like what? Especially if both of them die. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, there's there's got to be some kind of importance for that because otherwise it's just it's it's just a cheeky Sam moment, and I'm I'm hoping that there's something more to it than that. I I don't know. I like Dickon. Dickon's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like when Braun. Anything laughs that makes Braun laugh that hard is okay in my book. Yeah. Um, then they hear noise from the hills, and they form up their battle line, and the Dothraki ride over the hill. They're reinforced by Danny riding Drogon. Uh, 
they they fuck up the Lannister troops. Right. They destroy the loot train. In the chaos, Bronn scores a scorpion hit on Drogon, which brings him to the ground. Jamie tries to charge Danny and nearly gets burned alive by Dragonfire, but Bronn, I think it's implied, knocks him into the river and he sinks uh, into it. The end. Uh, we kind of leave Jamie underwater and Bronn or whoever saved him underwater. Who do you think saved him? I think it's I, I think in the editing and the camera work leading up to this, it's obvious that Bronn's going for it to the extent that like yeah. if it turns out it's Dickon. That would be dumb and as you pointed out I'm we had a little you. pre-podcast discussion um dickon is wearing as heavy armor as jamie is uh where braun famously is not armored right like, that's his thing so like uh unless braun say jumps in and saves them both like it makes more sense for braun to be able to save jamie where he couldn't save himself right although right. i wonder i wonder like like people are always mis- like making it seem like full plate armor is just this encumbrance. Like, oh, if you're knocked mm-hmm. off your horse, like there's a lot of. I think there's a, a school of modern thought that like you know the plate armor knights were like completely helpless if they mm-hmm. got knocked off their horse or whatever. And and uh, reenactors seems like yes, it seems like if someone says oh, I'm going to strap fifty, sixty pounds to you, but by the time it's distributed all over your body, it's yeah. not that big a deal. Like I, yeah, I don't know. That's, I don't know that in the seem, water. That seems like, like a lot, a, a, a big, a big thing to try to swim with, especially if you're yeah. missing a hand or that hand <laughs> right. weighs like a bowl, as much as a bowling ball. Yeah, I don't know because I, I, you know, all these actors, like I've seen like videos on YouTube of them like doing cartwheels and handstands in full plate armor. Huh. I want to see one swim in a, a length of an Olympic swimming pool, right? In plate armor. <laughs> Come on, that sounds really hard. I, I bet it would be, but I think it's doable. Like also, like even if Ooh. like. Um, is the armor so hard to remove that you can't like get like the big like the bigger parts like of it off before you drown? Whatever. Like, I don't know if if you're, you're one handed. Yeah, oh, that's true. One handed. Yeah, that'd be. I think it'd be tough. I think Jamie's in a bad situation. You don't think he's dead though, right? I do. You think this is how Jamie dies? I I think that I don't believe that this show does much off screen. They okay. never have before. Uh, maybe there's Except some notable Stannis. exceptions. Uh, well, yeah. Well, but no, I mean... Everybody argued about how Stannis is not dead because uh, we didn't see his head come off. Right, right. Um, but but they... So in my opinion, like, they showed his death. It's just they didn't show his head rolling off of his body, which was right. an odd moment. But I, I, I just feel like that him drowning and just we never see Jamie again, we see his body washed up, would feel anticlimactic in a way that... Um, I just don't think they're going for. And it's silly to have someone try to save him right. and it not work. Yeah, like why not? Like, is Bronn going to die? Him... Bronn's not in the armor. Bronn can still get up. Now, I will and... say that I think it's kind of bullshit that Bronn doesn't die. Because even when I was watching the first time, I'm like... With a scorpion? This... Yeah, because here's the thing. Bronn's whole arc is that he's a sellsword and that's what makes him a survivor. Um, mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. in this episode, he consciously abandons that, even though it's against his better judgment. I thought it would be dramatically appropriate and bring back some of the fear uh, in this in this show to have Braun like a character is very popular, is very well liked, die um, doing something against his his his, his better nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, then again, I don't know what they have planned for so Braun. no I, I think jamie floating to the bottom of the 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 blackwater schmuck bait like mm-hmm. uh they they it's one of those things where no one believes he's gonna die but they're doing it just as a as a bullshit cliffhanger yeah 
Yeah, and I've I've always said, you know, at the end of season, this would bother me. Right. In in the middle of the season, I cliffhangers are yeah, fine. Yeah, if you're going to do bullshit cliffhangers yeah. mid-season uh, where it's going to immediately be answered next week is the way yeah. to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's not invalid because it's this is a... Uh, this is a moment where, you know, Jamie's life could be flashing before his eyes. This is, uh, yeah. you know, I, I've mentioned I think it's odd that he's still true blue to Cersei. Like, this is a transformative event. The fact that, you know, he has no business being out there. Uh, he should have taken Bronn's advice and, and, and fleed in the first moments because he's the commander. He's no longer the fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I will say that, like, I thought Drogon might die. Um, there's I did, a couple I things did too. Uh, that's uh, so. So the show still got me on the edge of my seat because I thought Drogon might die. I thought that Danny might get injured. I thought that uh, Braun might actually die. I thought Thicken might die. I didn't think Jamie would die. Yeah, but that's why it's more the shame that Braun actually didn't because then, whew, right. wow. You know, yeah, ja- Jamie and Danny were the only two that I was certain wouldn't die. Yeah, in this confrontation, it seems um, like Danny would be smart. To be wearing a significant suit of armor, at least something like it that can block arrows, because you saw how Drogon was diverted. It's with so that dumb. Volley of arrows. Her up there on her fancy pants suit with a cape. Yeah, like get a helmet, get a heavy steel. Like because if because yeah, Drogon's uh, apparently arrow proof, but mm-hmm. your ass isn't right. And, and when there are 700 arrows in the air... She could be wearing 200 pounds of armor and Drogon would not even notice. Yeah. And and to the more... There's, um, also, why not Why not armor Drogon? Uh-huh. Like, could you not get an uh, like a one-inch thick iron breastplate on? I mean, I don't know, because like, it seems like dragons are already just on the verge of being too heavy <laughs> right. to fly. You try and put a sweater on a dragon, it's, right. it's going to rebel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna dracarus that thing to dust, <laughs> or just not be able to take off. So like, I, I get yeah, it. But yeah. um, the other thing I want to mention is uh, lots and lots of people on the internet were drawing parallels between Drogon and Drogo. Drogo okay. was took a superficial wound in his shoulder that later festered and and ended up killing him. Drogon, his namesake, takes apparently a superficial wound in his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that will be? That that might be fatal. No, no, <laughs> no. I don't. I don't think that was enough to kill it's, a dragon. It's weird because now that um, now that, that that Danny knows these scorpions exist, I feel like I'm kind of surprised that the first time we saw it didn't result in the death of a dragon. Because Me too. Yep. you know this is the time where Danny knows thinks that her dragons are essentially invincible. Now she knows they're not. Yeah. Um. So it's going to be weird to and she knows the the secret weapon right. Right. Th- that's going to potentially take one down. Like right. I-, I feel like if only she had a like a shape shifting assassin that could go behind enemies' lines and like disable every one of those things on uh-huh. the walls of King's Landing. Yeah, uh, I, I it's, it's I just feel like the fact that uh, Braun like the, the 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 cat is out of the bag is going to somehow neuter that weapon. Yeah, it's a huge problem for Kyburn's yeah. uh, new weapon, new yeah. toy. Why didn't Danny bring all of her dragons? Because I, I we've seen in know. the previous season that they, like, yeah, she doesn't have a rider for all of them, but they kind of are content to go wrong and wreck shit. Yeah, you look at the the battle yeah. at Marine, yeah. in as much as it was a battle, right. uh, where the dragons just roasted all the slaver ships. Yeah, yeah. They didn't all have to have riders. I wonder if this is her trying to be, because a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, it's too bad she wasn't, you know, she she flew... Uh, perpendicular to the Lannister line instead of parallel to it. But I, uh-huh. I feel like she was not trying to just cause wanton loss of life. 
Like mm. she could have roasted every man alive in there. Instead, she she opened up a, a, a hole in the line for a Dothraki to exploit, and then she roasted the supply train itself. Right. Um. But then again, she also got interrupted mid rampage when Drogon could no longer fly. Mm-hmm. Um. Jesus Christ, that dude's big too. Yeah, Drogon. That got scene huge. of him on the ground with her still as like it the scale, like how much bigger he's been since the fighting pits of Marine is just amazing. No, it's awesome, and I, I thought. You know, there was that notoriously bad CG scene of Danny riding. Yeah, the rubber, off, the rubber Drogon. Right on the rubber Drogon. Uh-huh. This time, it looked impeccable. Yeah, it looked amazing. The yeah. the special effects, the stunts, everything here came together so perfectly. Yeah, it. I mean, this episode looked like it cost a million bucks, probably did, and money well spent. And and for to, sure, to the extent that we had a fairly, you know. I, I want to say it's sedate, except for we we murdered all the phrase. We got a really awesome naval battle. It's not like there's nothing, but like mm-hmm. if, if we had to get the the first three episodes a little bit slow moving, so we could get the this and the next few episodes, it's all going to be like this. Then watch out because this this costs yeah. a lot of. It's the biggest, most ambitious thing they've ever done, and they pulled it off just great. By the way, the director of this episode, did you see? He's uh he he's directed like forty Always Sunny episodes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I guess the Devil D's are finding the inroads there, huh? They are. They are. <laughs> and I think it's actually, I mean, because he, he's got some other, I forget all the director's credit. He's got, I, I don't think he's got anything this big in Blockbuster. And I think mm-hmm. it's kind of amazing that you can just step up to the plate and knock it out of the park like this. Yeah. Because yeah, it wasn't just, that that it, it's not like this was all done in a green screen and you can just hand it over to the effects guys. Like they set men on fire. Yeah. This is manifestly a real location that they did a lot of compositing. The set dressing alone. Yes. With all yes. the burnt horses and yes. people and they had to dye everything black and different stages of burn. Yes. Like, and that's expensive too because like, you know, you have to, if you fuck up a shot and you've already scorched the field. Yeah. So. What are you going to do? Hats off. Hats uh, off. The other interesting thing that I I think is accomplished by only having Danny ride one dragon in. Well, I, I think everybody knows she has three dragons. Yeah. That's the problem. So I was going to say she has the element of surprise a little bit, but she doesn't. Nah. Um, everybody knows about her dragons. Yeah. I really don't know why she doesn't bring all three in here. But uh, What did you think about else? Tyrion? I thought that added a lot to, because uh, Tyrion is essentially is articulating the things I was thinking. Like, Jesus Christ, Jamie, you're really going to charge a fully grown dragon with one hand? Yeah, no. Uh, it, <laughs> it's a ridiculous thing to do. And, and it, it harkens back to what Robert Baratheon was talking about with the rebellion where some some kid charged him, right, on yeah, the yeah, battlefield. Yeah. And he thought he was going to— And it was a Tarly. It was a Tarly, too. Right, and thought he was going to win the war with a single blow of the sword. Uh-huh. That's what Jamie's doing here. Right. He thinks he's going to end this war. And— I I don't know. Like, what do you think happens if he kills Danny here? Do you think the war ends, or do you think Tyrion and Varys take over, and Missandei, and then what do you do? They the continue the mission. And also, there's another big question about seeing the Dothraki and how kind of ruthless they are. That's um, a big question of how they're going to integrate them into Westerosi life. Yeah. Uh, like they would be most happy on the reach and door, but like can you imagine being the the neighbors of the Dothraki, where their culture is essentially to just just take whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I don't want to engage in cultural relativism, but that's that's a huge task to integrate a hundred thousand Dothraki into this this other culture where they're diametrically sure. opposed. Um, I don't know. It's not the first time it's happened in Westeros. I mean, the Ask the Children of the Forest and the First Men, right? 
Uh, Ask him how well it went for him. Though. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and maybe that's like you know, I I, I don't think that at the end state of the Game of Thrones, everything's going to be perfect. And the Dothraki yeah. trying to integrate them and uh, is is going to be one of those one of those imperfect things. And we we talked a little bit about what must be in those carts and those wagons at this point. Right, they're not all scorpions, so right. they've got to have something else in them. Grain potentially is the most mm-hmm. likely thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that it, I don't like that though, because Danny burning up all that grain is a is, is terrible. Yeah, it's, it's a problem it's a for the look. realm, um, and not just for King's Landing. Especially, yeah, because they even mentioned in Winterfell, like Sansa's grousing about people not wanting to contribute grain to Winterfell, like food. Right. Food is going to be a big thing in the the war ahead. Yeah, and it makes me wonder. Okay, so first of all, I I have the question: like, how much of the food was destroyed in this battle? Yeah, because like you said, maybe a dozen carts. Yeah, um, certainly that can't be all the food from no. the north. Uh, but it's a good chunk of food. Well, like, I mean that this is this is what I'm saying about not. And how the, does Danny the, know? The, the the positive thing about not quantifying these geographic and numerical and how much of a fleet did we lose and how many men do we have a lot is that it allows them options that they can be kind of slippery and and doing all these battles that thing. And the downside is like again, I just saw Danny scorch a whole wagon train. Is that all the food? Is it some of the right. food? Is yeah. enough food for the south but not the north? Like yeah, I don't know. I'd be a hell of a lot more invested if I knew. So that's the downside. Do the Dothraki after? The scenes that we see, do the Dothraki keep rampaging and destroy all the food? Take the food Probably back the food. De- back to Dragonstone. Do they? Yeah. Do they go up the line, killing all the stragglers of, of Lannister troops? I I don't know. I don't know either. It, it ends kind of abruptly in the middle of the battle. I mean, the fact that they worship Danny as a god is, I guess, the best. Like, cause you know, if 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 she says, "Hey, don't do this thing," sure. they will not do it because she's she's got the might and she's mm-hmm. demonstrated that. Um, How at, at that point when everybody's like all scattered and stuff uh, and fighting and there are Lannister troops coming in and Dothraki are killing them? Yeah. How do you do you get up on Drogon and you shout, "Hey guys, stop!" Yeah. Stop fighting. Yeah, I mean... Like, how do you get those troops back under control when there's still fighting happening? I don't know. You could have Drogon land and just spread his wings around the Lannisters and be like, you know, uh, back off. Uh, <laughs> one other, one other point. Do you remember when Jamie rode up to the fray, a siege, and he lit their ass up for not having scouts and outriders? Yeah. Uh, how in the hell does Jamie not have scouts and outriders? Because here's the thing. I, I feel like it would have been a lot cooler and a lot more grounded in reality instead of Braun just using his spidey sense to uh, to to hear the hoof hoof the hoof beats the hoof beats of the Dothraki to have like you know like a single Lannister rider cresting that hill like riding hell bent for leather mm-hmm. and then as he gets off like he falls off and you see he's like riddled with arrows and it's like then. Then you know that they did have the scouts. The fact the scouts just got ran down and they weren't fast enough to right. to to ride fast in Dothraki. This way, you have to think that Jamie is so stupid he doesn't even know the lessons that we know he knows in universe because he just mm-hmm. scolded. I mean, it, they made the phrase look militarily incompetent because they didn't have this basic strategy. Right at the and very it, that's, least, that's you have what pisses on that hill. That's what pisses me off. The fact that like you know, there's no one in the writers' room that remembered. Oh wait, guys, last season. Last season was a plot point that these guys are militarily incompetent because they have scouts and outriders. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's 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 the other pet, pe- the little peeve I had. Yeah, I wish they would have at least mentioned it. Like 
if Jamie said, what about our scouts? Or, like, where are the scouts? Right. Or where were the scouts, you know? <laughs> like, right, right. Because then you could then imagine, you okay, Drogon that... bit, bit one in half sure, or something. Because and... no one no one is prepared for a fire-breathing lizard the size of a 747. No, and you can't outrun it. You so can't, right. It's... But the fact that it's not, it's just you just you just left to think that, like, well, just they just they left their, their pants down. Yeah. And you know we're we're already they already I don't know made us part of it because they kind of hinted that they were a little slovenly in their formations and mm-hmm. but then again like why have Randall Tarley who's this battlefield commander of some renown if you're not going to listen to his advice like yeah. you got to warn the men they're going to be flogged for not doing their duty to their utmost <laughs> come on Jamie uh, the other thing that we haven't really talked about a couple of things actually is. Um, Tyrion and his reaction to this whole thing. We we mentioned it, we hinted at it uh, a few scenes back, but in this it really comes to a head where you see Tyrion is struggling with the idea that he might have just killed his brother here uh-huh. in this battle. Um, and then he sees Jaime out there and he doesn't want him to die, right? He sees him charging in. He's like, no, you fucking idiot. Flee, you fucking idiot. Right. Um. So Tyrion is, you know, despite what he might be telling himself, still very conflicted about what this means for his family. Right. And, yeah, like the fact that, you know, uh, what does he feel about Jamie? What does he feel about his countrymen? Yeah. You know, I don't, I, I don't know if this means that there's going to be a weakness in, in Danny's uh, council um, or, or what, but... Because uh, I I think that you can think that this is terrible and have mixed emotions and still be true blue for Danny. Then you know? what's terrible? Like like the fact that your brother might die by dragon fire and all of your oh, sure. all of yeah. your fellow countrymen, your the 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 Westerlands people are being cut down. These are people that served you once. These are people that were loyal bannermen to your family that fought and protected them. Yeah, uh, it's it's simultaneously. Um, I mean, it's just like you know in the American Civil War. Like you can read journal after journal of men being very conflicted about what they're mm-hmm. doing for for the cause they believe in and how this is their these the brother on brother. You know. Yeah, and I don't think Tyrion has intentionally sabotaged Danny's side of this. I, I think no. I think he has made some de- decisions that didn't work out that may make it look like that to Danny. It wouldn't surprise me if there is not is there a, if there's a mole in Danny's um, inner lot, inner circle. A lot of people are saying Varys might be that mole. Um, Varys is on the battlefield this time, so what? That, Varys was at this battle, isn't he? I, isn't he right up behind Tyrion? I maybe maybe he's not. I don't remember. I thought it was just the as Tyrion and the Dothraki generals. I guess I know I saw them. Yeah, mm, scratch that. He might not be there. Um, uh, but but, but e- even if, if he, was, he isn't, yeah, then what? He's not doing his job, right? If he's the mole and he's uh, not there, then he didn't warn Jamie right when he should have sent a raven or something, right? Um, so I I don't know about the Varys being a mole. I I think that Varys is for the realm, and that he views Danny as good for the realm. I agree, and I'll be I'll be somewhat miffed that I didn't you know I, I that I believed him when he said all that. But I, yeah. like I said, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody because part of me I, I'm not too critical about like oh how did Euron know how because it it could be a plot point later in the season that there is someone on the inside of both realms and there's a spy versus spy going and then like this is a plot point not an oversight and then what well, we feel like assholes sure so I'm I'm like I'm not too much on that if I, we get through the whole season and there's no obvious betrayal on either side then maybe we can think back like okay 
maybe some of this stuff was too was was too convenient for its own good. But hmm. whatevs, man. It was it was uh, if 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 you allow stuff for the rule of cool, this is like the coolest thing I've seen on television. So I guess you have yeah. to correspondingly allow a lot. Yep. And that's it for the episode. Yep. Before we get to feedback, I want to mention today's sponsor, Audible. Audible's offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash GOT and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Just have to go to audible.com slash GOT and get started today. Uh, also, it's it's germane to note that uh, I'm actually a member of Audible. And mm-hmm. uh, one of Audible's taglines is, you can't make more time. You can just make more use of this time that you got on this your planet. Mm. And... Uh, it's very philosophical. It is. It is. And one of the ways I made use of more time back in the day when I still was working a full-time job and I was trying to read all the Game of Thrones library, which, by the way, uh, all of George Martin's work of The Song of Ice and Fire is available on Audible. Uh, I would uh, I, I prefer to read, but I didn't have enough hours in the day to do so. So on my commutes, I would listen to the audiobooks on Audible. And what's really cool is when I was reading on my Kindle, it uses the same whisper sync technology, so wherever I left off in the evenings of reading, it would pick up right the next day when I was commuting or mowing my lawn or doing the dishes or whatever. And, you know, you can get pretty wrapped up in it. Like, there's a bunch of times where I would pull up in my driveway and sit in the car for another 10 or 15 minutes to get to the end of the chapter because I was just wrapped up in what's going on. Yeah. And, by the way, if you have a smartphone, you have an Audible-compatible audio player and mm-hmm. there's a really a lot of really cool features not just the whisper sync stuff but the fact that you can adjust the speed at which a narrator reads um i think is very cool because one of my criticisms of audiobooks is like sometimes like it's very rarely that someone reads at a pace that you're comfortable with right well now you just you can you can adjust it by any kind of factor and slow it down speed it up uh and uh it, it's great it's a great way to experience the series very cinematic the guy that they have uh, reading it is uh, very dramatic and he's very good at being like a cast of thousand voices with accents and mm-hmm. effects and being able to age his voice up and down uh it's 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 really great and they have an unmatched selection of audiobooks uh original audio shows news comedy all kind it's not it's, it's anything spoken word uh you can probably find on audible so again they're offering uh, uh exclusive to our members or our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership you just got to go to audible.com slash got use that code uh, and get your free audiobook and with a 30-day trial so check it out and get started today today's podcast is also sponsored by club.baldmove.com because of course it is you think you're going to get away without hearing a club ad well you're wrong it's our largest source of revenue it's a great way to support our independent podcast it's the only reason we're able to give three different podcasts uh, uh, all throughout the week to keep your your Game of Thrones fix going. Uh, and the way the the reason we can spend so much time doing research and reading email and 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 watching the episode multiple times uh, is because we have we enjoy direct listener support, which allows us to keep our independent voice and allows us to be uh, the vo- the voice for the fans. Um, so if you appreciate the stuff that we do and you want to get bonus content you want to get you're, you're tired of hearing us hawk the different ads including club uh, bald move uh you get audio you get ad free audio feeds uh you get exclusive bonus audio and video content uh you get uh access to spoiler reviews of our first run movies 
uh, lunch with Jim and Aaron, which is just me and uh, Jim once a week. We sit down on Friday around lunchtime and we just uh, bullshit. We take questions uh, from listeners. We talk about topics and of, of current interest. It's a lot of fun. You get VIP access to forums, much more. You can go to club.ballmove.com. Uh, on that landing page is a pitch. It includes all of the content that we have available. Uh, just to kind of whet your appetite, at the end of this podcast, uh, we are dropping a little segment from the quip that we did last week. Quip stands for Quit Your Pitching, where we randomly generate a title of an episode of a, of a television show or a movie, and then we take turns speculating on what that would be about. Uh, this week was uh, for a show called This Is Your Men, where it talks about uh, the premises. Uh, camera crews follow some unlucky gentleman. Uh, before he's engaged or married to some unluckier woman, and they just capture all the just embarrassed, like you know, from from what you jerk off to to picking your nose in traffic, and they 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 show it to her like, look, this is your man. Do you, do you want to change your mind? And and uh, you find out some stuff about uh, Jim and I, mostly me, <laughs> mostly bad, mostly revolting <laughs> things, stuff that I probably shouldn't have said on a microphone on the internet. Uh, but enjoy that for free. And if you like that, then come back for the full full strength edition. And hey. You get a 30-day free trial just by signing up at club.baldmove.com. Check it out. Uh, shall we get the feedback, Jim? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, got some emails about old business up front. Uh, Amanda T. says, hey, guys, I haven't heard anyone bring this up, but did you notice that what Cersei did to Ilaria she has brought up twice before? First, she mentioned to Jamie how when her mother died, all she could think about was her decomposing in her crypt, her lips peeling away, and her skin turning black. And again, when Marcella died, about her beautiful pla- uh, face collapsing and such. She has some kind of deep fear obsession with seeing someone she loves decomposing. I'm just wondering if this is significant in any way, or is she just giving Alaria her own biggest fear in the world? Thoughts? Uh, I've literally never thought about that, so no. Well, I'm going to look at it through this lens. Cersei, since she was uh, 12 or 13, whenever she got the prophecy uh, from the Maggie the Frog, mm-hmm. Uh, she has been scared to death at the fulfillment of this prophecy. And yep. one of the big things was a queen more beautiful than you are going to come and throw you down. So this is very mirror, mirror on the wall. Like she's obsessed with the youth and beauty. And uh, those are also chiefly her weapons. You'll, rem- you'll, you'll remember her counseling Sansa on how to use wield those weapons effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, I guess, I'm so, so, I feel like that, you know, stereotypically, uh, the females fear losing their youth and beauty the way men fear losing their, their strength and vitality as a, as a part of the aging process. Um, and then you take that and then you, you stoke that fear by having this prophecy stalking you throughout your whole life. Mm-hmm. I think that's why she's so concerned about this, this corruption of, of beauty and, and the power that it, it, it holds. But um, that's just my amateur narrative psychology uh shall we move on yeah steve w you guys asked why john is hesitant on letting davos spill the beans about his resurrection well the bigger question is why isn't Tyrion asking hey how come you aren't lord commander even in the night's watch any longer i mean he took a vow until death but yet here he is free of the night's watch title and now king in the north I felt like they lampshaded that pretty good because Tyrion said something like i bet there's some story about how you rose the king of the north um so I don't know what more we want to see. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's the thing. Like, if if you show everything that someone might passively, passive, uh, you know, pa- passingly have a concern with, you would end up with the books. Right. So the TV show has to kind of streamline that stuff. And 
I don't know. I, it does seem like they're saving it for some kind of reveal, and I don't, I don't, I don't know why. Um, hmm. Any more thoughts on that? No, I think I think maybe we'll get yeah some kind of conversation in the future. Okay, but it wasn't a huge concern at the time, right? Uh, Caitlin W. We talked about Miss Sandy being kind of coy with uh, Davos last week. Mm-hmm. Um, she says this is such a throwaway thing, but I had a different take on the interaction between Davos and Miss Sandy. I don't think she was purposely trying to ice Davos in that moment or make him feel small. I think there's a couple things it could have been. He was speaking so highly of her homeland and how lovely it sounded, but for her, thinking of Noth is probably bittersweet and potentially traumatizing. Instead of her trying to explain that she was enslaved at an early age and wasn't able to enjoy the quote-unquote palm trees and butterflies, it was easier for her to just keep on moving. But also, maybe the more likely reason is this. I was reading a little about Noth on the Game of Thrones wiki, and it sounds like there are some crazy-ass butterflies there that carry a disease that makes the flesh literally slough off men's bones. The Hmm. Nathy themselves are immune to it. For centuries, would-be foreign invaders would end up succumbing to butterfly fever. With Davos mentioning how pleasant the butterflies sound, Miss Sandy's reaction of, yeah, okay, buddy, works well with that as context, but without the interaction falls a little flat. It's the bite of the butterfly that gives you that disease. That's right. The, Those butterflies the, the are butterfly, deadly. The, the teeth of the butterfly. Yep. I'm now picturing these butterflies teaming up with the White Walkers and meeting them in the middle to destroy <laughs> all of mankind. Ice butterflies? Miss Sandy as princess is promised, and she's the only one around that's immune to the fever. Um, that, that's a huh. great... I, yeah, I, yeah. I, uh, I, had, I had skipped over that in reading The World of Ice and Fire, but that's, that's a super... Because I think you're right, it works... It works the first way, but also if it's Miss Sandy or Miss Sandy enjoying a private joke about, oh yeah, butterflies are great. They'll eat the flesh off your bones. Yeah, that's that's pretty funny too. And just not wanting to really go into her background in North, right? And I it, also I do think that our take wasn't terrible too. The fact that she, the obviously a lot of this meetup was there to intimidate and impress yeah. Davos and John, and if she's sitting there, you know laughing and yucking it up with Davos about memories of her homeland that steals away from the effect. And maybe she leaves out a title accidentally, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, bringer of butterflies. <laughs> uh, Anna W. Listening to the podcast last week, I was struck by the discussion that you and Jim had over the ice versus fire and the different leadership styles of John and Danny. It occurred to me that any of the reasons why we are so focused on these differences in style, I think is because John and Danny each are employing leadership strategies that are associated with the other gender type. Female lender, leaders are traditionally considered to employ we over me strategies, where success is measured by the success of the group and not for personal glory, gain, or goal. Leadership roles are thought to be less in demand for women, whereas they tend to become leaders just due to having natural ability to work with others to accomplish a goal. On the other hand, male leaders traditionally are more outrightly aggressive and tend to be more self-serving or at least self-promoting and not generally hesitating to take credit where things go well. Of course, these are stereotypes, uh, parenthetically, hashtag not all men. But I think it's notable that these gender trophy leadership tropes apply in reverse to John and Danny, and I think it might be the reason why their contrasts are so noticeable. Hmm. What do you think of that? I'm not stepping into that one. <laughs> no, you coward. Nope, not doing it. <laughs> uh, I think it's a. I think it's 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 interesting that to the extent that um, Germ likes to invert tropes, that that might be yet another one that he's doing, mm-hmm. where the the prince that was promised is stereotypically more feminine in his leadership style, and the princess uh, is traditionally more masculine. And if you then add the gender bending aspect of the Valerian word for prince slash princess, it's even more interesting. 
Hmm. See, didn't, I, don't, I don't think I got my, my limbs blown off. Oh, waiting you'll in have that some emails waiting for you. Yeah, you know, well, people all have their opinions. <laughs> Ashley C., is House Mormont more important than we realize? A disproportionate number mm. of critical supporting characters were drawn from the same family. John's mentor at the wall, Danny's protector and confident in Essos, to Stark's more stubbornly loyal and vocal banner man, banner woman, before and after the Battle of the Bastards. The Game of Thrones wiki lists more than 20 minor houses in the North alone, and George Martin took the time to name them all. If they're all being related wasn't somehow significant, wouldn't it have made more sense to draw from another house here and there? I don't know. I mean, it's... It feels to me like they're significant in the same way that, like, Pod is significant to the overall story, right? Like, he helps a character who helps the characters who are the most important. Right. Like... And he's related to Ilan Payne, who we already... I, yeah, I, it's... Yeah, go ahead. It's just... It's kind of like... This story is so vast in scope that everybody's kind of important in their own ways. Yes. And they interact in these weird, strange ways. But, like, is House Mormont more important than, like, the... I don't know. Um, Umbers who, or the it, well, I was gonna say Umbers, but or... yeah, they were kind of assholes. Well, <laughs> for a while they were, uh, but yeah, are they more important than the Umbers? Uh-huh. Not really. And I, I think the reason that you hear these houses over and over again is because we do have this big sprawling story, mm-hmm. and it's all it's already enough that. I think that to the extent that listen, you know, like like a, a dedicated show watcher hears the House Mormon and they know that that means something and that's familiar and they can feel clever about that memory. Mm, Whereas yeah. if you say, you know, it's 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 House Manderley or whatever, um, then and and worse, or if you start going like with House Bolton, then this people get a negative reaction to to those the, those bannermen. So yeah. it's more of just like trying to pare it down and keep the universe as small as you can. Like, it's already a big universe for a television show mm-hmm. um, that if you just start le- listing these other minor northern houses, it's just going to get even more confusing. Uh, Ryan J. The death of Lady Olenna in Episode 3 was devastating. She alone arguably knew all the moves in the Game of Thrones and played well, but ultimately lost because, as she admits, she didn't go far enough in her maneuvers. The opening scene of her in-game stayed, standing at the high tower uh, Balustrade is... Uh, Sure, okay. whatever that, that that is, uh, especially with what uh, that momentary eye drop before moving away from the balcony. She knew she had lost and her fate was sealed. Diana Rigg gave a master class in the following scene with Jamie where Olena accepts her fate like the thorn of a bouquet rose. Uh, accepts her fate, but like the thorn of a bouquet rose could still draw blood. However, at Daenerys' war council in episode two, when she and Olena talk privately, Olena comments that Tyrion is a clever man. And how she has known many clever men over her long years, but survived them all by not listening to them. Before directly telling Daenerys to be a dragon, Olenna did not favor Tyrion's war plan, but accepted it nonetheless, as Daenerys had already voiced her support. Instead, if Danny had taken Olenna's sage advice and had not listened to Tyrion, but had followed the guidance for wise and skilled Westerosi council, neither Olenna nor Alari would be dead. Tyrion has much blood on his hands already, and his continued counsel to Daenerys seems to offer nothing of substance. Hmm. Tyrion's taking a beating amongst the fan community, it seems. Yeah, rightfully so. He's His yeah. plan was shit. Um, <laughs> it, it may not have been a bad plan when it began, but it was a worse plan than the enemy's plan. But is it Tyrion's fault? Because Tyrion's not the... He's the counselor and strategi- strategist. Uh, is it not uh, a bigger failure of Varys to not establish a spy network to get him the intelligence they need? Because he's acting on bad info. Sure. No, uh, I... I... I think it's easy to blame the general, which I would call 
Tyrion in this, you know. Um, but certainly the the espionage networks were not as good as they could have been. Well, the other thing is, like, I, I want to push back and play devil's advocate. If Daenerys had listened to Olena, who, by the way, arguably not acting in the good of the realm. Nope. She is singularly bent on revenge. Yep. Everything that Tyrion and Jon says is likely true. She would have been seen as a tyrant if someone yeah. had took it, and she would that she would have had this uphill climb uh, to to get the the loyalty of the people on her side. So, I, you know, it's it's tough to say with Lady Olenna. Lady Olenna was always for what's best for House Tyrell, mm-hmm. and since House Tyrell is gone, it's more about what's worse for the Lannisters, not what's best for Danny. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Uh, on new business, Jane Ward. During the awesome fight scene tonight, I thought of Jorah's season one conversation with a young Dothraki warrior about how an Arak, the sword of the Dothraki, would be no good against armor. Mm-hmm. Was he wrong, or did the Dothraki learn from that and adjust their fighting tactics, or were the Lannister guys just idiots and not wearing helmets for some reason? I expect the Westerosi knights to give a much better fight overall. Do you have any insight onto this? Um, it's a fair s- question. I mean, I think the dragon is the is the wild card here, right? But they, they did seem to be the armor seemed to be less than effective against yeah. those weapons. I don't know why. I mean, I do know why no one runs around with no one of importance runs around the helmets on because it obscures their faces. It's the NFL sure. problem. The reason the NFL doesn't have more marketable uh, stars is because when they're on the field playing the game, they wear helmets. Yeah. Um, having said that. Uh, I don't think they do a good enough job at because because Lord of the Rings never had that problem. Like when Yomer and Theo, uh, Theoden were riding the battle, they had helmets on because of course they would. They're not stupid. They just had very uh-huh. ornate and distinctive helmets. Um, right. I, I just I I don't know. I the other thing is like the Dothraki are supposed to be very fearsome and open terrain, and the traditional way to defeat that is to as Randall was doing, form up everybody in the lines, get your shields out, get your pikes and spears out, mm-hmm. and have the horses have to throw themselves on those. Danny fucked that up by just incinerating a gap in that line. Yeah. Um. So like hand to hand, if it's just one random Westerosi knight versus some random West uh, Dothraki, I think the armor. Uh, would would work because because you saw Jorah like he essentially caught the blade with his breastplate and then killed the dude right right uh, it's a different when dudes coming at you with horses and riding you down with double rocks and they had spears and all kinds of shit yeah um, and then I thought that was nifty the jumping moves they did and also they were doing a lot of throat slitting mm-hmm. uh, so yeah that's one of the things we didn't talk about in that last scene is yeah you know you're kind of blinded by the dragon fire and uh-huh. the other cool stuff going on but man those riders. Like, those were actual stunt people standing yes. on real horses yes. in these, like, modified stirrups. It reminded me a lot of, like, Dan Carlin talking about the, uh, uh, uh shit. Uh, the, the Mongols, yeah. The Mongol, yeah, the, uh-huh. the steppe people. Yeah. Uh, and how good they were on horseback and how they, like, they, you got them on a saddle from the time they were two years old. Yep. So you have these, these guys who were just essentially born on horses and how, how they were essentially a single fighting unit, horse and man. And they really, Showed that the fact that these guys were shooting these 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 uh, dead on shots with their horse with their arrows from horseback, the fact that they're doing all the gymnastic shit, yeah, I bought it because that's the thing. Like the Dothraki have always been kind of unbeatable on the open plain. Jamie was on the open plain. Mm-hmm. They they tried to do the traditional anti infantry cavalry tactic, and Danny blasted it. I I didn't have a big problem. Um, 
Now we'll see in the future if it's a more of a siege thing or if it's more close up, like, like, like what they can do. But this is like the ideal situation. They had heavy cavalry and, and close air support. Yeah. It's pretty unbeatable. <laughs> Julian S. from London. What a great episode. Excellent battle sequences. But why the hell was the setting out of a dusty old Wild West film? A dusty trail, a wagon train, fucking desert buttes in the reach. Not only does the setting look wrong, the weather's wrong too. It's now many, many months since the White Ravens was sent heralding that winter has come to Westeros. It should be snowing. Your thoughts? I don't know where exactly they were. I don't know if they were right outside of King's Landing so, well, or yeah. if they were if that, if hundreds that, of miles north. If that's like, the Blackwater Rush, which I think is there was some behind the scenes. Like, I don't know if someone in the episode mentioned that in the background or if that was something that was on mm. the behind the episodes. But, yeah, they were very close to King's Landing, which okay. makes sense because how, how much further could the gold get ahead of the, the convoy? Yeah. Um, but I did some research. I, I looked into the So Spake Martin archive. This is uh, something that uh, the Westeros.org maintains. It's... it's uh, all the public emails and speeches that Martin's ever given of interest to the world indexed by topic. Mm-hmm. And someone asked him in an email, does it ever snow in the South during winter? And Martin replied, yes, sometimes in some places, the mountains of the moon get quite a bit of snow, the Vale and the riverlands and the West lands rather less, but some King's landing gets snow infrequently, the Stormlands and the reach rarely old town and Dorne almost never. So as you go further South winter has less of an effect with the exception that the White Walkers bring cold. So as the white, if yeah. in most non supernatural, well, I guess they're all supernatural. On non White Walker fueled winters, even the severe ones don't ever get much south of Dorne. And then you've also got the Summer Islands, which are in the equator, and they're named the Summer Islands because it's summer there all the time. Um, but if the White Walkers get past the wall and march south, like potentially the whole world could be frozen. So yeah. um, it would not be like since we know that the White Walkers are north of the wall, it wouldn't be appropriate for it to be snowing um, at the in the Reach or the the King's land, uh, the the Royal the Crown lands right now. Uh, Josh W. Question: Even with the new gold now safely in King's Landing, do you think the Iron Bank would think twice about loaning Cersei after the display by Drogon? I think they'd have to look at the wholesale slaughter of the Lannister army and have second thoughts about helping Cersei. Also, now that the harvest has been burnt, wasn't all uh, that wasn't all collected from the Reach. Cersei will be severely short on food and provisions for the coming winter, making her sound even or making her even a less of a sound investment. What do you think, Jim? Do you think the Iron Bank is going to get paid in full and then be like, "Ugh"? I think they have to at least consider it. Yeah, um, you got cause... no food, you got no dragons, you got gold. You can't eat gold. Yeah, you can't feed armies. You buy with gold. Yeah, I, I don't know. Unless they're like super convinced that this gold company can yeah. turn the tide yeah. against dragons, then maybe they'll they'll be on board. But I could totally see them supporting Danny instead, yeah. or just you or know, just saying, hey, yeah, yeah. I'm getting out of here because because that's the thing. Like, even if they do the golden company, if they don't have food and they don't have dragons, yeah. what what the hell? What the hell? Mm-hmm. Um. So it'll be it, – I think it would be interesting if, like, she pays off the the Iron Bank and the Iron Banker's like, okay, well, here's the deal. We'll sell you food, but we're no, we're, we'll loan you money for food but no longer for armies mm-hmm. because even if you survive with no food, you'll the people will eat you alive. I, 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 there's going to be some interesting – because you're right. If if this uh, Nestor with his power glove just, just decides that this doesn't change anything, that will be yeah. so fucking unrealistic. He needs to at least consider the, the options here. Yeah. What do we? What's the status of uh, Dorn and food? 
I, I, How much do they I produce? Know. Huh? How much do they produce? They're they a desert produce a mountain. Wine. They're a desert mountainous people. They yeah, pro- they produce uh, free love. They produce enough and, to feed themselves. I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Like that's probably, about it. Though. Sure. Um, that's a good question, and I I wonder because a lot of people ask me about Dorne. I'm like, I fucking don't know. Like, there is no power. There is no leadership down in Dorne. None right now. Uh, yeah. There's there's uh, Dorne has the largest unbloodied army, but no one to lead it or command it. True. Um, now you know nature abhors a vacuum i'm sure that that power vacuum will be filled eventually but mm-hmm. on the timetables we're talking about there there could be this massive dornish civil war that we don't know anything about yeah of the pro sand snake side and they're like hey you know the sand snake revenge fire and blood shit has gotten us fucked let's yeah. stop doing it i'm with i'm with doran but the, there's no the evidence doran. there's absolutely zero evidence either way so yeah. it's un, i don't think it's wise to speculate uh moving on michael r do you guys think it's possible that john knelt while he was in a cave with daenerys uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I was surprised at how many people asked this. He was the first of many, and I'm like, you gotta, you gotta think about this as a TV show. If something that significant happens and they don't show it as it happens, it's just or or immediately address it. It it would be it, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like they yeah. that that's the whole idea of a visual medium is you show people important events, mm-hmm. and this is arguably the most important thing that could happen um, outside of, like, Cersei being assassinated, the White Walkers crossing. A lot of people are like, oh, maybe is it possible the White Walkers have crossed the wall? No fucking way. <laughs> no, they're going to no show us that No fucking way will the White Walkers cross the wall and we not know about it yeah. until after the fact. <laughs> like, oh, we're focused on this siege at King's Landing with yeah. the dragons and the Dothraki, and then all of a sudden the White Walkers walk up. Right. What? Where'd you come from? I uh, forgot about Dre. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 not going to work that way. Um, no. At least I refuse to accept that they would do something that bullshit and amateur. Mm-hmm. Um, so that there you go. That's he's, my standing. He's calling you an amateur. That's what he's saying. No, I'm I'm calling the oh. double D's an amateur if they would do. No, Michael R is not a professional filmmaker or a screenwriter. I'm just saying that that's the thing. So by definition, he would be an amateur. Yes, Michael R. <laughs> in absence of knowing anything else about you except for email address, you are an amateur screenwriter, uh, and that shit shit wouldn't fly on on a show like Game of Thrones. So. Um, and that's the thing. Like anybody writing in future, always ask you. Like, yeah, nothing is going to happen off camera. You can't yada yada John kneeling before Danny and pledging his fealty. I'm with you, Alan C. Uh, just want to check to see if my timeline or my line of thinking is correct. The Lannister army got cooked. Ed Shreen was in the Lannister army, so Ed Shreen is Ash now. We can hope. Probably, I. Hmm. Yeah, I don't so know where that, that little group... That was a small detachment that was supposed to be going to the Riverlands to maintain the peace while the other power vacuum yeah. with the phrase being killed. I, I hate to say it, but I don't think he was in that group of, of he might the be, train. Because they were coming... Although, yeah, the, they were, the Reach... Yeah, that's not exactly... Yeah, I, I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so. Yep. Um, but, you know, it's impossible to know. Rich B, I listened to the instant cast and was surprised to hear Jim wasn't feeling the heat in the cave scene. Maybe he needs to get his thermostat checked. I'm officially shipping them now. Family tree be damned. Um, the heat was there. I just wasn't focused on the heat. Uh, you weren't feeling it. It needs to be turned up a few degrees. I guess so, yeah. I will say that if I'm – if if I, I didn't keep an exact count, but my estimate is like 60-40 feeling the heat versus not feeling the heat in my feedback. Yeah, Okay. That, that feels about right. I don't it was think a the lot heat more, was like... It was a lot more... I expected some, like, cyborg holdouts such as yourself, but I thought that, like, most people 
would watch. So it's like there, there you go. There's my bias, and I'm wrong. Um, I thought the a only sizable thing... minority was like, nope, felt it was uh, completely lackluster and and not feeling at all. Oh, see, now I disagree with those people because I think there was something there and i think it was demonstrated in that little hand that that wrist grab that he does yeah that's where on second viewing i noticed it but that was really the only place I. that's what cecily said she goes like it's like you know when he actually took her by the hand to like lead her into the cave that was uh you know physical contact like that's like if guys by the way or women if you want to know whether a guy girl's flirting with you if they if they're just touching your hand randomly or touching your arm or Uh that's physical contact is a form of flirting sure so uh, I don't know if John is skillful enough to do that. He might have just been like, "Hey, don't trip." Uh, but yeah, I, I think there was. I, th- I thought there was heat. I thought they're cute. Yeah, I thought they had a little heat. I was I was worried because I feel like uh, Amelia can sometimes be a cold fish, and I know that John uh, that Kit Harrington can also be that way. Uh-huh. So I was worried, like, man, if this is a song of ice and fire, and there's any kind of relationship between them at all, they have no uh. chemistry. But I, I thought their chemistry was pretty good. Hmm. The torchlight didn't didn't hurt. West from Nashville. One thing I struggle with uh, that they make such a big deal about is people following Danny because they choose to. Driving a further home with a speech to John from Miss Sandy this episode. So why is Danny so insistent on forcing John to bend the knee when her thing is to uh, for people to follow her because they choose to? Yeah, uh, that's fair. I I don't know. Do you think Danny is just seeing is? I mean, Danny seems like she loves the common folk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she has a distrust of the ruling class. Okay. So I think that it still hasn't just just a way that you know John saw her as some up jumps pretty girl who has a bunch of flowery titles and and blood claim and it's yeah, a fancy and, name. And we know that Danny's yeah. a lot more than that. She sees him as some upstart, anti kneeling, fancy pants from a northern castle who just is stubbornly refusing to kneel. Yeah. So I feel like. Uh, and the fact that John is not allowing Davos to toot his own horn about that, like I, I think that ne- neither of their situation has really sunk into the other quite yet. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I think Miss Sandy understands the situation better than either John or Danny. And I wish she would just explain it to them, like get them both in a room and say, "Hey, you're the same. Yeah. Get over it. Yeah, just make out. <laughs> Come on, everybody <laughs> wants to see it. Right. Want to? I want to see the content advisory, f- ice and fire. You know, <laughs> uh-huh. I, there's an IF in front of that means that's that's code for Danny and John Bone and kids hide your eyes. Um, <laughs> all right, Nicholas M. What do you speaking of heat, cave heat? What do you think of John Snow in the cave with Danny being a callback to his relationship with Egret? Mm-hmm. From the simplest level, John and Egret's relationship was really taken to the next level in a cave. His relationship with her. That's funny. His relationship with her ended with the famous line of, you know nothing, Jon Snow. Now he knows more about so many things than anyone else can even fathom. He's the one who tells Danny and uh, Tyrion about Dragonglass, how they'll need to join together, and was right about the Night King as revealed by the cave paintings. These cave writings are what pushed Danny's belief in him to the next level of trust. Additionally, he broke the Night's Watch vow of celibacy because he was made weak by his relationship with Egret. Will he break his promise to the North of not bowing the knee because of a developing love story with Danny? Hmm. No, I don't think so. I think John has come a long way since that moment. Yeah. Um, and he has bigger goals in mind. I really do believe him when you know Davos suggests it, and he's like, "I've got more important things on in my mind." Right now, I don't know how long he he will hold out in that view, and and and, that, and if he doesn't like see a way to kind of mesh the two. Right. Um. But yeah, I I don't 
I don't think John's the same person he was back then. John's also famously obtuse. Like you have to like <laughs> right. You know, uh when da- if Davos suggests have you thought of marriage alliance, he'd be like, I'd have no time for love. And he's like, dumbass, I'm talking about uniting the houses and the armies and get <laughs> right. you know, like John's thinking this is the fucking bachelor show and mm-hmm. Davos is thinking next level uh alliance. I don't yeah. know. It'll be interesting. And also, yeah, John uh John is one of those guys that needs a prop, like you know, a fedora. He's his caves are his fedora. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he feels naturally more confident and 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 romantic and 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 sexually adventurous when he's confined in a subterranean cavern. I do think that they're <laughs> they're drawing some allusions to it, certainly. Oh but, yeah, but it's maybe not quite as significant as a lot of people were hoping. Allison F, I have a random question: Why aren't there any female White Walkers? Lots of female whites, but none of the actual white walkers. Is that why they need babies to create new white walkers through the cheek touch thing? Are there male white walkers? Is, like, that, the, I, is yeah. that the only way to expand their number? There aren't very many of them. What if they've been given a little baby girl to sacrifice instead? I don't know enough about the white walkers to even say... No one does. ...that they're male or female or this, shit, this baby they turned grew up to be one of them. Like, I, this shit I don't the, know. So we know we know that the first white walker was unambiguously a man. He was, yes. He we was know a, that they only take Craster's boys. Now, right. that might be because that's what Craster's willing to give them. He okay. wants to keep all the daughters because they're his future Ugh. sister-daughter wives. yeah. Kind of thing, and he doesn't want he 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 feels like he can he can physically cow them and 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 dominate over them where he couldn't uh, some young strapping son right I don't know but it's an interesting question and you're also right to say what is 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 gender even a thing amongst these ice monsters like once you're turned into one of them what right. does that even mean right uh, I don't know so. I, is it a thing? Because like I, I feel like I read something recently that like asexual pro- reproduction is the rule in biology, and it's no, that's not right. I think even because the the evolutionary advantage of sexual reproduction I mean, in, gives is is pretty strong. I think in like really really primitive yeah, yeah, yeah. like forms of life, right? Like amoebas, obviously. But I, I, they're I, not doing yeah. any any banging, right? Right. But I think as you get higher and higher They're up. They're doing splitting. They don't bang, yeah. they split. Hmm. They do. And they don't involve other amoebas. It's just like he just amoeba decides, you know, time time, time to split. All right. Uh, that went nowhere. Yeah. There you go, Allison. Uh, but the thing is, there's absolutely nothing. There's no, I mean, this cheek stuff, it doesn't even happen in the books. We're so far beyond the books and our understanding, and yet we still don't know much about their culture and their bi- biology. So Right. Turns out the high, high, high glotarian, uh, there's a gen- is a genderless language too. So, so who knows? Who knows? Uh, Jay regarding a defensive Tyrion. Tyrion's been getting shit on, so Jay's going to defend him. Okay. Both the show in the show and your podcast, Tyrion has taken a quite a large amount of heat from failing as a strategist and/or hand of the queen. However, why admit that he is his plan has been a disaster so far? I don't necessarily agree that he should take all the blame. His logic was sound for all the reasons he gave. Tyrion's at the mercy of information he has, and he has been severely lacking. First, it seems that given Varys severed ties from the little birds, there isn't the wealth of info he'd normally be able to provide. Tyrion must not have known about Euron's fleet of a thousand ships, which is something that Varys would normally have provided. By contrast, it seems that Cersei knew exactly what Danny had at her disposal. 
Also, the reason why Jamie was able to take Highgarden was the betrayal of all the Tyrell Bannermen. If Olena Tyrell would have shored up her defenses with reassurance from them, Highgarden wouldn't necessarily have been defeated. This is not on Tyrion's shoulders. Olena let him down in that regard. Imagine if Tyrion could have counted on Highgarden and their Bannermen. Imagine Tyrion knew that Euron was working with Cersei and had a thousand ships. Given this information, his counsel would have been vastly different, I suspect. Here's where I... I disagree or i i guess i agree with the majority of people who are shitting on Tyrion. Uh-huh. um i think Tyrion did let his his family get in the way of this battle and he really? did it in a way that in kind of the opposite way that you would think because okay. okay he's not he's not so concerned with like killing jamie that he's not gonna fight this battle the way he thinks it should be fought uh-huh. what he did is he leaned too heavily on what he knew about his family because if you uh, take Tyrion out of the equation right yeah nobody goes after casterly rock Right. It's not important. What's important would be Highgarden, would be the grain, right? right? Like, they would shore up Highgarden. They would strike somewhere else, not, like, you don't think that at someone, the heart of Cersei. You don't think someone from Westeros would would think that uh, the Lannisters have all the gold, and they're the ones supplying the crown with it? I mean... But the, he knows the gold mines are... Everybody knows the gold mines are dry, right? I don't think everyone knows that. That's something that, that Tywin told mm. Cersei. Okay. I think it's something also yeah. Lady Olenna suspected, just because of how much... Yeah, I mean, maybe it's Tywin is willing to, to go into with him, but but I don't know if you, if your plan is to siege King's Landing, right. also gold doesn't matter. Right. So maybe go take the the food. Right. You know, I'm thinking maybe Tyrion leaned too heavily on his knowledge of the Lannisters. And you're right. Like you, it's thinking that would be an irresistible. How could even Tyrion say that he's his motives are pure in that because he he's not aware right. of his own biases, sticking it to his family. And and getting what he sees as his birthright might have clouded his judgment in a way that he even doesn't know and couldn't articulate. Yeah. All right. Uh, Chelsea C. Maybe I should... But l- let me say, I do also agree that not all of the blame is on Tyrion. Yeah. And there, also, there are plenty of things that should have been done that weren't. The fact that there's no mention of spies and intelligence when it's been such a big part of the show makes me think that it's yeah. going to be a plot point later on. Like that, you know... Uh, like, like the ultimate, like, fan masturbation would be, like, Varys, you know, dressed up in his, like, brown robes, jailer garb, killing Kyburn, thinking, you think you could win my little birds with some few, some sweets and intimidation? <laughs> Ganks him. I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, that'd be kind of cool, but I doubt it's exactly. But, like, <sighs> there's no way Varys can't outfight fucking Kyburn. Kyburn might be the smartest person Cersei's ever known, but... Yeah. That doesn't impress me very much. No, he he's not I don't think he's a strategical uh prodigy. No. Or a or a uh, he's not the mastermind that Varys no, is. No, he's 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 half warlock. He can yeah. bring people back to the dead and torture them in inventive ways and and do death and destruction, but I don't think he's got the <laughs> He's he's book smart. He's got the Yeah, I don't think he's got the political strategic mind that that Varys has got. So Yeah. Um and to the extent that that just it's just not is is just kind of like a black hole in the show right now. I feel like that that'll be a later address. I could be disappointed later. We'll see. Chelsea, C. Uh, maybe I shouldn't count him out, but I think Littlefinger's toast. I think his last game was trying to drive a wedge through the Starks, but it doesn't feel promising. Is there a greater wedge than Arya becoming a faceless assassin, Bran being a tree god, Jon being a Zora High, and Sansa remaining a muggle? Except for Jon and Sansa, they aren't really in the same line of work, especially in the other si- with the other siblings in the mix. Jon and Sansa are going to be all in it for family. I would say that Littlefinger's going to die immediately except for one thing, the guest right. I'm kind of glad because it will keep Arya from going off half-cocked because they need a plan to retain the support of the Vale. Uh, so what do you think 
And also, does guest right have a, a, a limit? Like, if it turns out that you're all sitting there eating their bread and salt, and Bran just murmurs, oh, I just figured it out. Littlefinger totally totally is complicit in the murder of her father. Right. You got to be like, well, Littlefinger, good news and bad news. Good news, we're not going to kill you. Bad news is you got to move out before the dawn. Mm-hmm. And, and then it, we'll kill you. Yeah, <laughs> and we have archers lined up in a right. ring around all the gates. So, uh, yeah. Here you go. Here's your here's your parting gift. No longer guessed right. Certainly, I think there's a limit to it. Yeah. And Littlefinger has crossed that limit in the past. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It'd be interesting. It'd also be, like, it reminds me of that quip that we did last week about the, the two and a half Chris's, mm-hmm. where all the Chris's in Hollywood are trying to trick the other into taking parts they don't want, and, you know, they're, they're essentially... This is this game where they're trying like like Littlefinger's inventing reasons to stay, and the Starks are like, oh, but you know, you got your dry cleaning, your dry cleaning uh, back in in the King's Landing. They mm-hmm. keep sending tickets. They're say, they're going to throw it all out. Littlefinger, they should Lord Baelish. I, I think what they should do is send uh, is his name Royce Jan Royce back to the Vale. Yeah, to. Because that that creates a dilemma for Littlefinger, to, to right? Beat Sweet Robin's ass. Just, well, just beat him for metaphorically. Year, just no physically. <laughs> oh, God, three years of ass beating, and he might turn out okay. I like going to think... take that much ass beating, reverse all the late term breastfeeding and yeah. psychopathy that they've been uh, ingrained in this little boy. But it does create a dilemma for Littlefinger because then he could see his power slipping in both locations unless he leaves. Oh. Um, so I don't know. I just like I, here's the thing. Like I don't want to. I don't want to underestimate Littlefinger. But at this point, at this point, even if he brings the head of Sansa to Cersei, I don't know that he doesn't end up in the black cells. Mm-hmm. And if he just stays pat at the at the Starks, he's just waiting for Bran to have a vision that shows what a shitty is. Yeah. Or for Sansa to like the only reason that yeah. I mean, I I guess. I guess Sansa thinks he declared for the Starks, and even though she doesn't trust him, she at least trusts in that. Hmm. I think she's foolish to trust in that too much. Do you think she's foolish to trust in Yon? Because that's the other question. If 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 Pete, if uh, Peter just says like, "Up, oh, change my mind. We're going to declare for Cersei." I don't know what the Lords of the Vale think about that. Because the other thing is, we don't need Bran. Cersei can just be like, yeah, this dude threw your, your you know, protector of the realm out the moon door. Uh-huh. So hmm. what, 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 what are you guys doing? I don't know. Catherine G., just wondering who you think Bran is currently quote-unquote serving. Is he working for the good of the realm like Varys, or is he operating under what seems right to him at the time? Considering he's supposed to know a great deal about the happenings in Westeros, old Bran surely would have warned Arya and definitely Sansa that creepy Littlefinger essentially got their father killed. Is new Bran looking out for their safety because he knows they need Knights of the Vale, or is he concerned with his sister's unconcerned with his sister's personal safety because he shut is shut off from being emotionally attached to anyone? I wish I had a good answer for this. At this point, my answer is I don't know what Bran's doing. We, do, I mean, like I said, my best guess is that this. This unfathomable cosmic knowledge that he has is not is is it, it, it's he's not he's not omnipotent he's not om, omniscient mm-hmm. he can know anything but not at the same time and and not without like some kind of inquiry or reason to think about it 
Because we think that's how it works. But that I mean, you're, but, you're but right. We're not we even know. certain about that. We don't even know. He might have access to all information at all times. Right. And then and just choosing not to act or where to act. Because the other the other the other possibility is he's a, he's with this Hodor stuff. He's afraid to consciously manipulate the timeline. Right. Like he can. Until he understands the scope of his powers, and I wonder if we're going to get an episode where he actually, we actually see him warging in, because we haven't seen that since his failure at the cave, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, maybe he, he maybe he warged into the ice giant in the beginning of this season, but you know, we haven't seen him taking one of these vision quests, and I feel like it's high time for us to see him do that, yeah, because that we need some answers to these questions, because right now there's so much daylight between what we know and don't know that. He could be a double agent for the Whites. He could have been corrupted by the Three-Eyed Raven. The Three-Eyed Raven could have been evil right. this whole time. He could be afraid to manipulate the timeline. He could uh, see timelines where he interferes and Sansa gets killed. Like, who the fuck knows? No, the preferred narrative that I have going on in my head is Bran is working for the good of the realm. Right. And he's selectively doing things to influence the timeline. But I don't know any of that for a fact. Right. It's only my just what I prefer to imagine. Right. Well, and the other thing is like all the theories that say, well, well maybe the Three Eyed Raven is evil and may, and was working with the others all the time, and maybe Brand's corrupted too. Is like the the Children of Forest always supported the Three Eyed Raven, and the three, the Children of Forest, like sure, First Men weren't their uh, first choice of allies, but they were allies. They did make a pact. Uh, mm-hmm. That 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 the the men of the north have largely kept, and they're absolutely opposed to the others, to the White Walkers. Yeah. So, are the children of the forest these eons old mystical magical beings that were the original masters of the Weirwood Network? Are they going to not know that the Three Eyed Ravens <laughs> turned traitor? It is weird though yeah, that question. the Three Eyed Ravens not a child of the forest. Yeah. Like, why is it these men? Why why are the greatest wielders of the power? the the men rather than the children of the forest yeah that's weird um anyway uh so that that's that's the email we got uh i got i got a ton i got a ton uh sorry i couldn't read everybody's email uh but we do have another chance friday um we've got uh, a spoiler podcast where we talk about you know some book knowledge which i think there's going to be a couple of interesting things to talk about particularly around the golden company and some other things um we also talk some theories and speculation and some crazy crazy theories uh we do not talk about show spoilers we do not talk about production spoilers or leaked episodes boy that's getting out of control have you seen the latest like that these hackers are essentially ransoming HBO, like we got your executives' emails, and we've got your, and you know, and you, that's it's, it's crazy, it's crazy. I, I mean, unless there's some like go to jail nefarious shit here. Uh-huh. What do you mean they're ransoming it? Like, like that they want like we've money. got your like, emails. I, and we'll, we'll we're going to re- release them to we'll, the public. We'll release all your private communications. Which God, no, I mean, it. I don't know if it's jail worthy. Like, there's certainly stuff that probably you know from a competitive advantage they don't want it out there and. You know, certainly they don't sure. want all of their the, these episodes leaked and the scripts leaked and all this other stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just a bummer because it it has dampened a little bit of our fun being able to speculate freely um, because of because of all these leaks. But we're gonna try it anyway. Uh, just want to know that spoiler edition does have a little bit of stuff from the books. It's not a lot from the books, but it's it's mainly for background information and world building and a little bit of fun speculation. No production leaks. It's a spoiler edition. You can get your email out at Game of Thrones at Baldmove.com. 
Or you can always go to our forums to talk with your fellow fans, and you can follow along with everything we do at baldmove.com on social media, facebook.com slash baldmove, uh, at baldmove at Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, if you're not already subscribed through iTunes or whatever platform you use, go ahead and subscribe. Because I know a lot of people just listen to like the episodes one-off, which seems weird to me. Right. Uh, you'll get them a lot faster if you subscribe to the feed. That's actually a fact. You yeah. iTunes does not update non-subscribers listings uh as fast as they do subscribers Hmm. like there's a there's a noticeable gap between when the episode drops and just the open thing versus when you get it when you subscribe so if you want it the fastest you can uh you should join the club and watch us record it live. well there you go yeah otherwise subscribe (laughs) on itunes Uh, but yeah we'll be back uh, friday and uh, then again the sunday for the instant take Mm -hmm. uh man we are over the hump Oh yeah, 50%, this is a halfway. Over fifty percent uh, of the season is already ticked before us. I'm kind of bummed by that. Yeah, I'm. You know, we we're lessening the blow a little bit this year because we're going to do season two after the season's over. Yeah, but that's not as fun. as It's new not stuff. as much fun as the new stuff for yeah. sure. Especially since it sounds like we're going to have a hell of a wait for the next next new stuff. Yeah, and it's even shorter. God help us all. <laughs> right. All right. Well, we'll see you back on Friday. Hopefully, if not Sunday for the instant take. Until then, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See you later. This is your men. This is your men? Oh, boy. You got something for this? I think this is kind of a reality show where you take a woman who's about to get married to a man tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And the film crew has followed this man around with 100% with hidden cameras in his bedroom, in his bathroom, and his office. Um, and, and he's not aware of this. He signed up. He signed up for something. But but you never know. Didn't read the EULA. No, they yeah. sign you up and say like, look, we're going to film your whole life, and you're going to. But but they don't tell you if you're accepted. So it's like you got that sort of. It's <laughs> okay. like and how long? So, so it's like you, the game. <laughs> if if you sign if you sign a sheet that said someone's going to put these cameras and you're going to have this this violation of privacy, but they're not going to tell you whether you're accepted into the program or not. Like how long would you live as if everyone were watching you before you're like, you know what, fuck it, There's the rest no of my life, really, the, the entire rest really? of my life. Because oh, I, I, yeah. I feel like a week went by and I'm like, I don't know, this is probably like <laughs> how many. Week. What's what's the odds that someone's going to be watching? It takes a week to right get the now. paperwork to their boss's <laughs> desk, man. You're gonna oh, you're gonna be on the internet so fast. Sure, but I I also kind of live my life as if ever like like i'm kind of cool with everyone knowing my most of my deepest and darkest secrets uh-huh. if, if not like like the most embarrassing thing is like what particular porn i got off into that one day and i'm telling right. you it's vile like yeah. not every day not every day <laughs> like not even the most days because like i've i found as i get older i'm just like i'm just like it's just like all like cheesecake is what i'm <laughs> like i just like looking at a good looking naked woman for a couple of minutes and i'm done all right but some days yeah some, some days some when days. i'm feeling a little desensitized it gets fucking weird i'm telling some you some days i don't have a burrito so i get you that's right and that, you're, 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 you don't know how weird like even now you're like i wonder how how fucking weird a runs like, it weird okay <laughs> weird so so the, the idea is like you know the day before you get married you sit the you sit you sit the lady down or mm-hmm. the gentleman if it's mm-hmm. a if it's a gay marriage and you say this is your man and you 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 the aim of this is to show the man at his at his lowest, most humiliating, like and maybe or maybe it's a it's a three hundred seat. Like maybe you see the time at where he best, like yeah. he like gave up the 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 seat for the old lady, or uh-huh. he intervened when when someone was trying to, to beat up some some some. The, he he broke up a bum fight uh, or something like that. You know, it's like like it, yeah. it's, it's, it's it's but but also the lowest of lows is there too. Sure, uh, I don't and, see and, and anyone not watching this shit out of that. I, I agree. That's a great concept for a reality show. I think. 
also it could do some good in society. I think it could improve marriages. Like get that honesty out there right away. You because know, you know who you're my marrying. suspicion is we tell each other that all of our relationships are bad and they're miserable. But I kind of feel like that, like for the half of people that don't get divorced, like it's got to be mostly good, right? Sure. Yeah. Like if you get inside, it's probably weird and fucked up, and like there's a twisted sense of humor involved. But like, there's got to be more happy people than not. Of the people who stay married, certainly, yeah. yeah. So that's like that's like that's there's like and and there's like there's good like you know there's like this stereotype of like men that like there's incompetent and bumbling and like it's like the the latest thing uh, seems to be like a lot of men in like commercials and stuff are just just fucking morons and the women are almost like these like overgrown mothers just like ugh this guy you uh-huh. know ladies right are, are all of our men this fucking stupid like I don't know like I feel like you're gonna see some that are just like some some of these guys like you're like a Dan Riker type. Mm-hmm. Imagine, imagine. Can you explain I, to people who Dan Reichert is? Because I shouldn't just drop I, that I, name. He's not yeah, famous. he's he's a guy uh, who's on the Giant Bomb staff, and he does a lot of videos and podcasts for them. Uh, and he's he's a weird dude. He doesn't have a lot of life experience, or didn't have a lot of life experience when he moved out there. Uh, I don't want to talk too much crap about him, right? <laughs> even though I dislike him very strongly. But but imagine, so this guy got married in a Taco Bell. He did. Imagine what his this this is your man looks like. Yeah, I can't imagine there's anything in this is your man Dan Reichert edition that would have scared this woman off if she was willing to get married in a Taco Bell. You feel like you felt like that's that's a good point. And also, do you feel like Dan like he's like an like because that's the thing is like if you're a disgusting human being, Mm -hmm. then the best way to be that is to be an unapologetic absolute version. Like, hey, look, this is who I am. I'm going to have strong opinions on stuff I don't know anything about. I'm going Uh. to. I'm going to refuse to have adult tastes in anything. Mm-hmm. I'm going to things that require adult tastes. I'm going to decry as snooty and dumb. And yep. so, yeah, like that's like you know then that's honesty. That's all I'm. That's all I'm, you're trying to get to, right? Right. Honesty. That's the whole point of this. Is your men? It's not. It's not to say that these things you're doing are inherently bad. It's to get to the honest truth of who you are. Yeah. Before you make the most important commitment, right? Like if you jerk at the baby seals being clubbed, then your woman better know that, right? And if she's cool with it, she's cool with it. Yeah. Like, but just get it out there. Yeah. Don't don't be don't be doing stuff in secret. Don't don't don't. That's yeah. That's not good. <laughs>